4: Good morning everyone and happy Monday from the opening drive on 101 ESPN in St. Louis at 7 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers and officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Brooke Grimsley. I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us. Carrie Davis is off today doing the, uh, here's what we got going on here at 101 ESPN in the Mm -hmm. morning show. Uh, Brooke, good morning. Good morning.
1: Did you have a good weekend? I did have a great weekend.
4: I did too. We're going to talk about that uh, coming up with uh, what we loved about the weekend. But we have a deal here. Okay. Don't tell anybody. (laughs) But we do a show from 7 to 10, okay? Uh
1: huh. Sometimes 11.
4: Right. Many times 11. (laughs) But here's the thing we don't have, we do a show plan on Sunday night for Monday because we're reacting to the weekend. So we essentially can get out of here at 10 o'clock on Friday. Mm -hmm. So we basically can have like a four day weekend because we do the show Friday like CD gets out of here at 10 o'clock on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then take off Monday. That's a pretty good deal. <laughs>
1: <laughs> is that the setup? Is that what you're saying?
4: Well, you've utilized it. I've utilized I, it. Yeah, CD is utilizing it.
1: Yeah, there's something about taking the Mondays off. We've had this discussion mm-hmm. before of if it's better to take that Friday off or the Monday off. But definitely the move is to have that Monday off to get away from the Sunday scaries. Do you get the series, Randy?
4: Uh, you know what? I don't think they're the Sunday Scaries, but I get into productive mode during the mm. second game of the the, th- the three o'clock window games. I, I totally, because you guys, like every week I, I tr- I kind of do the plan, the show. I I I don't. I know you might hate this unilaterally. I, I, I throw a show together <laughs> because I'm just thinking, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm, in, I'm the, in thought the mode. The wheels
1: are turning. Yeah. That's what's happening. Yeah. So
4: I, it's not the scariest. I'm i in productive mode much earlier than Sunday night.
1: Yes. And, you know, maybe the scaries can motivate you, Lord. The yeah, scaries don't have maybe. to be a bad, negative okay. thing. It's just that them? more a little bit, a little bit of just like, oh, OK, I got to kind of focus, laser focus mm-hmm. in on these games
4: so uh here's what we need we need the blues to come up with some sunday scaries
1: oh They're that's where the sunday scaries uh, kicks in
4: yeah yeah they they need to have them on sunday and monday a uh, pretty rugged weekend. Well, should I tell you, by the way, the Blues president, uh, Chris Zimmerman, is going to join us at 9.15. going to talk about Hockey Fights Cancer. If you aren't aware of it, Kelly Chase dealing with leukemia and uh, starting chemo last week. So we're going to talk to Chris Zimmerman about the Blues' amazing initiative in Hockey Fights Cancer. We're also going to talk to Chris Kerber at 8.15. Okay, so now you know what's coming up guest-wise on the show. Uh, Friday night, the Blues lost to Columbus. Fifth worst record in the league, 5-2. Saturday, they lost to the Blackhawks. Worst record in the league, 3-1. to
1: Ooh, that's the Sunday <laughs> scaries, Randy. I I told you when I walked in this morning, we were talking about the Blues. I, I'm a little bit concerned because we talked about going into this weekend. These were games that they should, on paper should have been able to win. We saw what they were able to do when they went to Vegas and beat the Golden Knights, the way that they were able to shut down that Eichel line. And then, obviously, it didn't follow up with a great performance, but it's been a back-and-forth affair for the Blues all season. It just felt like, on paper, they should have been able to have a successful trip. But that is not what happened whatsoever. And some concerning quotes came out too from this weekend from your captain Mm -hmm. and Braden Shin. This is the biggest one where he says, it's not everyone, but you can't just choose when you want to show up.
4: And clearly the captain wouldn't say that if there weren't people doing that, Mm -hmm. right? And he, he didn't, to his credit, didn't name names. But again, as the captain, it's his responsibility to go to those guys and say that exact thing. You can't pick and choose when you're going to show up to play because we see such uneven, as you mentioned, with the the whole Vegas and the the win there and then coming home we see it way too often with the Blues and that's really the root of their inconsistency, isn't it? Is inconsistent effort.
1: It is. That's 100% what it is and that's what your captain is saying in that quote right there. You can see the Mm -hmm. frustrations in what he is saying and maybe he has tried to work with those players individually but when you have a performance and multiple performances like that coming out of this weekend, you do start to get concerned about what exactly is going on in this locker room and why that buy-in is Mm -hmm. not there. There's a
4: great line from our, our, well, He's a friend of the Balloon Party, uh, Taylor Twelman.
1: <laughs>
4: we tried asked, to make him a we,
1: fan yeah. and a friend. Yeah, we tried, tried yeah. We tried. Yeah. What happened so, there, yeah. Randy? Uh, it didn't work out. I don't <laughs> know. He's, he's, got,
4: he's, got a, he's got a buddy in, in the Balloon Party. Oh. Uh, but anyway, the Blues now, uh, and the question is, what are we doing here? Blues have played 27 games. 27 games now. We're almost a third of the way through the season. Oscar Sundquist so- scored a shorthanded goal on Saturday that gives the Blues seven shorthanded goals this season and in 27 games seven power play goals.
1: What are we doing here? (laughs) (laughs) Randy, I think if if we knew the answer to that then maybe we would go to the Blues and say, hey Mm -hmm. this is your big glaring problem but I just go (laughs) back to that quote with Shin it shows that the belief maybe in his eyes, and he is one of the leaders of your team, is that not everybody is bringing the same intensity that they should game in and game out, which is what we've been talking about, right? Mm-hmm. We've been talking about the effort. We could see that, but we don't know what's going on in that locker room. And Braden Shin basically said this weekend, no, I'm letting you know what you're seeing and what you believe is true because that intensity is not there game in and game out. And that was him calling out certain guys. Here's
4: Chief after the Saturday night loss to the Blackhawks by a score of 3-1. In the first period, we were, our intensity wasn't high enough. We didn't win any puck battles. Execution with the puck, poor. Um, you know, we changed that in the second and the third, but you're down 3-0, it's tough. And now the Blues have lost three in a row for the first time all season, and two of those to two of the worst teams in the league. Mm-hmm. And the Blues host David Perron and Patrick Kane and the Red Wings tomorrow night at Enterprise Center.
1: Ooh. Oh. Who are you rooting for? Who am I rooting for?
4: David Perron of the Blues.
1: Um, I'm going to have to root for the Blues. David Perron, David obviously. David Perron for a blues
4: to win 4-3, something like that?
1: <laughs> no, David Perron is a great guy. Obviously helped the Blues get a Stanley Cup. And I also think was a huge loss for the Blues in general. A big voice in that locker room. Randy, you know, you and Michelle had Perron on, and he was such a great guest on the show when you had him on here. And that's exactly who he was in that locker room, too. He was very vocal, a great leader in that room. And to lose him, not just on the ice and his abilities, but also off the ice, you couldn't beat postseason perron by the way no oh. he was so valuable the way that he was really able to notch up that intensity and we're talking about intensity that's what the blues are lacking right now and you also did by the way this past weekend lose robert Bertuzzo, another part of that stanley cup championship team so mm-hmm. we say goodbye to robert
4: yeah and what a great guy mm-hmm. and i i was shocked that he lasted 10 years with the blues that he was here for that long but uh, yeah, we we will miss him and they will miss him. And this might be for a bigger segment down the line. But can do you think now, and the game has changed a lot in five years, but with young players and their lack of attention span and a lack of ability to come and bring it every single night, do you think there will ever be another team like the 2019 Blues that won no. based on hard work? No. Uh, consistent hard work? No. I don't either.
1: I don't either. I, I really don't. That was such a special, special team, and I think that we're already seeing that trend really start to happen in hockey, where you have the faster, the younger guys coming through, but that was just such a veteran-heavy group. I know that there was some young stars in there, too, like Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo, but still... That was such a special group. So many leaders in one room. And sometimes that doesn't work out, mm-hmm. but it worked well because Craig Bruby got them all to buy in.
4: And you look at the top teams in the league. We saw Vegas a couple of times last week loaded with talent. Mm-hmm. Rangers, all those draft picks are now coming to the fore, loaded with talent. Bruins, even without Patrice Bergeron, loaded with talent. Vancouver, young and fast. Kings, young and fast. Panthers, young and fast and tough. Uh, the best teams in the uh, Colorado loaded with talent the, the best teams in the league they get away from that need to play gritty every night because mm-hmm. they have such extraordinary talent
1: exactly and i know that we got to see jacob or yakub varana a little bit this weekend can we just go ahead and say that this project is not working yes. out i don't think that he fits into this system or maybe even any system right now so I Agreed. I just hate it.
4: No, I, I I agree. College basketball this weekend, a win for the Billikens over at Chaffetz. There we go. Jason Tatum in, uh, in attendance. Yes,
1: I saw that. And by the
4: way, Alexa Dad do it a great job on the play yes. by play on yes. Valley, so love yes. that. Uh, Billikins beat Hofstra 71-68. Uh, Missouri came back a little bit against second-ranked Kansas, but fell to the Jayhawkers 73-64. Uh, still, so you know, there's Kansas people that I I love. I I, I just think is
1: there? Yeah. <laughs> so, no, I
4: I do. So uh, congratulations to all my Jayhawk friends. Randy, it's been over three decades
5: since the Tigers won a basketball game in Fog Allen. I mean, I mm-hmm. there's there's there's
4: home field advantage and and there's that. Well, when's the last time <laughs> Kansas football won in Columbia? Thank you. I double check that. And one. I'll tell you this uh, when. When conferences are negotiating these massive TV, TV deals, mm-hmm. it's 85% football and 15% basketball. Literally, nobody cares about college basketball. Well, not literally. <laughs> I shouldn't say literally.
1: 15- You're to enrage a lot yeah, of people yeah. with that, okay. including somebody in this room, because okay. we know. Yeah, 15% yeah.
4: of America, uh, according to the people who run the conferences, mm-hmm. care deeply about it. So uh, don't worry about it, Matthew. That's my point. It's yeah. okay. So they got their little, ba- their Just cute little basketball go. going. They have nice jerseys. A cute little bird, like a depressing Catholic church uh, chant: <laughs> Rock, <"Racha>, um, yeah, <laughs> uh, Randy. praise the Lord. It's a lot sooner than you think, by
5: the way. Apparently, Thanksgiving was not fun for Mizzou Tiger fans in 2004 because on November 20th, they had gotten beaten by Kansas at home in Columbia 31 to 14.
4: Ooh, okay, so it's still 20 years.
1: 20 years. That's rough. Yeah. That is rough. <laughs> uh,
4: okay, we got to tell you about uh, the. Uh, we got to give you our feelings about the National Football League. It was uh, a great day in some regards. <laughs> was it? Oh, I love those Ravens. Uh, but. <laughs> there were also some interesting and uh, not great things uh if first of all we have a lot of buffalo bills fans here in the building and we congratulate the buffalo bills yes they beat the chiefs by a score of 2017 and on our sheet it says bills 20 chiefs 17 question mark question mark uh
1: (laughs) does it really wait where is this at Mm-hmm. question mark oh you're right yeah wow there was, is a lot was, of question it, marks it was, it was a
5: building sequence of question marks yeah. so i had the the bears the lions mm-hmm. bears game was one question mark yep. the uh bills chiefs games was two and then the eagles cowboys was three
4: <laughs> uh, I i didn't ask you for this can I, can we get the highlight today uh the bills chiefs highlight and if you didn't hear it yesterday on cbs jim nance and tony romo had the call and uh, we're watching it on uh, the highlights on tv right now here on espn but it is amazing that we had this cool play that really wasn't a cool play they sent another blitz selling out
3: flag on the play might be a free one they've got kelsey at the 30 kelsey 25 angling back 20 now he's going to lateral it back at the 15 yard line it's tony 10 5 touchdown offside, quarterback
4: number 19 offense lined
6: up in the neutral zone five yard penalty
3: offside by the
4: offense lined up in the neutral zone One of the most exciting plays. A TD is wiped off the board and a five yard penalty.
1: I mean,. Why didn't the refs know that something just absolutely remarkable was about to happen there? Why would they do anything to ruin such a remarkable moment like that? They should have known better, Randy, right? right. I mean, that's the take we all have this morning, isn't it? They
4: should have known. you got to have some foresight. We know the games are scripted, so why not know?
1: <laughs> how did they not
4: know? Did they not get the script
1: beforehand? Maybe
4: they just didn't read to the end.
1: <laughs> oh, on, whoopsies. Uh, on Saturday night, they're in
4: their hotel room. Oh, okay, Buffalo's going to win this. Okay. I'm, I'm going to bed. Uh, here's, here's Patrick Mahomes on the call.
7: It's, it's something that, I mean, you, as, a, as a, like I said, elementary school, we talk about, you line up, you point to the ref, you're good, you're not good. If not, they come to you, they we talk, you need to get off the ball more, you need to be on the ball more. You have a discussion. I mean, that's, that's, that's the ref's job. I mean, they, you want to have an open discussion so that you can go out there and put the best product you can on the field. Um, and for him to throw that flag, no explanation, no anything, and I, I saw the picture. And he, I mean, he probably is—I mean, barely off, barely offsides. But for him to, to take the game into his hands over a, a call like that—that that doesn't affect the play at all, at all. Didn't affect anything. Um, I mean, it's just tough, man.
4: Okay, Brooke, I got two quick things. Number one, I've done a lot of high school games over the years, and receivers always check with the officials. They do, always, yeah. even at the high school level, at college, pro. So Tony should have checked with the official. The other thing is. Yeah, sure. It didn't impact the the play, but it's the rule. It's still the rule. I mean, there are holding calls all the time that don't impact plays that get called, right? Mm-hmm. So you still have to play by the rules when you're a player. And I I, I want to see Mahomes succeed, but the rule is the rule. So it is. You know, so, it, so, it is. Uh, uh, so I, I feel bad for Chiefs fans this morning that their guy lined up offsides. But the fact of the matter is their guy lined up offsides.
1: A hundred percent. It was the right call to make there, especially when you go back and look at We're going to see the replay. I mean, a million times. Mm-hmm. If you didn't already see it on social media over and over and over again, Tony was offsides. There's no debate about it. I thought that maybe more of the frustration came the next play afterwards where Von Miller maybe kind of lined up and his head was in the neutral zone a little bit. Maybe that had something to do with it and why Patrick Mahomes was so infuriated. I think that's where he really, really got angry. But still, there was a difference there. And with Mahomes, his argument saying that, you know, that was an incredible play, it was really cool to watch and it would have been an amazing story. It would have changed the whole conversation of the game today. Day, we'd be like man tony is the man why have we not right. been talking about him sooner yeah, right. but that's just not what happened there it was the right call to make
4: and the other part of it at least from my perspective and i have no idea what patrick mahomes is thinking but he might be thinking okay there's a buildup here last week in Green Bay we get screwed because they don't yes. call the clear pass interference and now this week the, refs, the the officials get us again in the final minute I wonder if it's just a buildup uh, and a perception on his part that hey the referees are controlling things and we as the players aren't
1: it, it feels like you know the kind of classic argument that you have in your head when you're maybe talking to your significant other where there's bigger things happening maybe other things happening in your life and it is a culmination of everything building up and then it could just take one little moment to really tip things over. Mm-hmm. Also, mind you, with these post-game reactions, this is what I like about these post-game reactions, is because they're so raw. You're talking to the players right after the game. I'm sure you saw in the video, it was all over social media last night of Patrick Mahomes, where he was basically upset about the call, and he said it while hugging Josh Allen mm-hmm. as they were going out off the field. That is just raw emotion coming out. I know that it's not the best look, I would say, for Patrick Mahomes, but it was just a real reaction to the moment.
4: And if you're chiefs fan you love your quarterback responding that way
1: passionate that right? that's definitely no a way it. to look at it is passionate yeah. and i don't know man tony what else can you say about him oh, at man. this point this season
4: right. right if he's not hurt he's lining up off sides so i think that's <laughs> all we can say uh, coming up on 101 espn we have three things we loved about the weekend stick around it's coming your way on the opening drive You are
2: back to the opening drive podcast on one oh one ESPN, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
4: Brooke, Matthew, Randy, Carey is out today, but it's time for three things we loved about the weekend. Number three.
1: My number three thing is going to be saying goodbye to Tyler O'Neill. No. Tyler, we'll always remember 2021, especially Scott Boris. We'll also remember a lot of the injuries that followed and the infamous kerfuffle <laughs> between you and Ali Marmal. You will be sorely missed. And I said sorely because being sore Definitely hindered you sometimes (laughs) towards the end of your career. But on a serious note, uh, Tyler O'Neal finally finding a new home in the Boston Red Sox this past weekend. As we saw, Uh, O'Neal was moved to the Red Sox and the Cardinals got in back. They got back a pair of depth arms in Nick Robertson and Victor Santos and guys it just felt like this needed to happen and i'm honestly glad that it did happen because things have just really soured with tyler o'neill and the cardinals over the years and you could really tell i would even point it back to when the arbitration happened between tyler o'neill the cardinals tyler i will say just from my own media perspective was always very honest and open and willing to talk to media members and he made himself available when he was going through the arbitration with the Cardinals, and spoke about how you know they tell you it's not going to be personal, you get in there and it's personal. Which that's how all negotiations go, right? It's it's never fun to go through. So I felt like things really soured then, and then you had the kerfuffle you had with him and Ollie the season. It just felt like this needed to happen. I wish him nothing but the best, and hopefully this will be a new fresh start for him and the Cardinals.
4: And Mo joked at the winter meetings last week that when he traded O'Neill, that he would get MVP votes. <laughs> Top 10 American League MVP voting, contract year, motivated, probably Ooh. healthy, playing at Fenway, home games at Fenway. Top, I'm, I'm going to go top 10 MVP.
1: Ooh. Why not? I'll take it. Okay, good. Seems to happen.
4: All right. Uh, I, oh, no, yeah. I, I have to do my number three, don't I? I, I <laughs> uh, as you two know, we have a magnificent staff here at 101 ESPN, not just on-air people, but behind the scenes, and our sales staff is great. and. We love all of our salespeople, and one of our favorites is Maggie Toslowski, who got married on Saturday to uh, Zach Cody. Yeah, congratulations <laughs> to Maggie.
1: Congrats, Maggie. Great
4: wedding, and uh, great to be with such great people. Her family and and friends, and our, our Hubbard family, uh, so many people were there and enjoyed it, and uh, those two, uh, th- those crazy kids, Maggie and Zach, are off to St. Thomas this morning, I believe, so congratulations oh. and best oh. wishes to them nice. on a uh, beautiful life together. But uh, everything went off without a hitch Uh, i talked to maggie a couple times last week and she uh, she had three different apps on her weather apps on her phone and everybody everything was telling her it was going to be cloudy and rainy i said don't worry about it and lo and behold sunny and 60 on saturday for the wedding
1: i know 60 degrees on saturday what was that about
4: it was was maggie's wedding
5: it it was uh, the heavens taking care of maggie when you guys were talking about that i thought to myself man the first week of december that's an interesting time for a wedding and then it hit me you hit like a two-week honeymoon then you have Christmas, uh-huh. then you have New Years. Yeah. After like December 5th, you're not working for a month. Like 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 for like a spot day here and there, like you got to come into the office cuz like you catch her like a random Thursday like after Christmas before like New Year's or something like that. That's a smart play. And now mm-hmm. and now you're in Saint Th- now you're in the, on an <laughs> island for all December for a big chunk of December. That's a mm, pretty good that's a pretty genius good. play. Wow.
1: So you're saying I should reschedule my wedding? Uh, I'm saying you're, it's an option.
4: June, no, June, June is good and traditional, 1, and it, it might be warm, but still. No, June is a, a great respite. There
5: you go. Yeah, yeah you June's go. a great time for it. I mean, come
4: on. Number two.
1: My number two is going to be Shohei Otani saying, show me the money, Dodgers. <laughs> and he got that done this past weekend. Finally, Shohei Otani making his big decision. And guys, drumroll, please shockingly, it was the Dodgers. Who could have seen this coming? Who saw that coming? Nobody, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody saw it coming. And is it fair to say that his dog's name probably is Blue? Blue,
4: I think it's did very safe. Did he reveal yeah. that? It has not been revealed yet, but people are on the case. John Heyman says that he's <laughs> on the case. I think Greg already told us, though, that Blue is the dog's name. Yeah,
1: Greg knows all, doesn't he? Yeah. He 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 has the inside scoop. But Shohei Otani, 10 years, uh, what, 700, I almost said 100 million, that would be yeah. shortchanging him by a lot. 700 million Seven hundred million, Randy. It's like winning the lottery, That's except you insane. have to play baseball. <laughs> That's just insane money. But in my opinion, he deserves it. Of course, we'll see how the back end of this contract looks. But everybody's more excited about this front end and the potential that he has. Of course, you're worried about the two surgeries that he's had, two UCL surgeries. But Shohei Otani is a unicorn for a a reason. Very unique, special talent. So I'm excited to see what this will look like. Not excited to see how it will be when the Cardinals face the Dodgers. And what was that, that first week? First four games
4: of the season. Yes. Mm -hmm. And uh, Brooke, I'm in the same boat as you, but from a different angle. I like seeing things that I don't think will ever happen again. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we're going to see another $700 million player. And here's why. Because the Dodgers literally did pay him like two guys. They paid him like a $40 million pitcher and a $30 million million hitter. Until somebody else does what Otani's done in, in 150 years of baseball. He's the only one. We aren't going to see that. You aren't going to pay. Uh, now, you could see Juan Soto next year maybe getting $50 million a year for 10 years. But I think in my lifetime and probably your lifetimes, we have seen the, the pinnacle of contracts in American sports. It's not going to happen in basketball or football or hockey because of salary caps. Yes. And... It's unlikely to happen in baseball because you'll have to be able to do two things like Otani. So I I believe, and this is my number two thing for the weekend, that we got the opportunity to see something this weekend that we will never see again.
1: How many people are going to start making sure their kids can pitch and hit and then oh, yeah. like push that on them even more? Mm-hmm. I know that's something that you're already doing anyways, but being like, no, you have to. All right, we're going to really study film of Shohei Otani. You have to be the next Shohei Otani here.
4: Yeah, it's. Uh, I know it's going to happen, but then look at all the people that uh, in the last ninety seven oh seven seven twenty six years have started the kids playing golf at two. And how many Tiger Woodses do we have running around?
5: It's very true. I'm saying Mason Wind though might have might have a little bit of a of an argument oh, against the, the Cardinals. Like what do what do you, what you guys do to me here? Come on.
4: Yeah. <laughs> Number one.
1: My number one is going to be that I successfully made matzo ball soup for the first time this past weekend. I was nervous. I was sweating, Randy. I really didn't know what to do or expect. It is kind of just like a chicken soup, right? Mm-hmm. But I have never made it before. I know that the matzo ball is a very big deal, and to not screw that up, because you want a floater, not a sinker. That's very <laughs> important. So I had to make sure that this thing would float, mm-hmm. and it turned out great. <laughs> that's, that's what you were saying. I had, no, I had say. no
3: idea
5: that there was that connection to matzo ball soup. <laughs> yeah. I, that, that was one part I had no idea. I thought I have thought you just... thought about it? No, because I, I feel it like floats. The yeah, I guess float. I guess now that I'm thinking of every like visual I've seen of matzo ball soup, it's at least like it's in a bowl. It's at least but, got a little bit of over the over the broth. Yeah, nicely mm-hmm. done, Brooke. Floater, so.
1: not sinkers in this household. And we're, we're talking and I made about a floater, and we're talking so. <laughs> about matzo ball soup. We are talking gotcha. about matzo okay. ball soup. Gotcha. Okay. Floaters um. only, and I accomplished that this past weekend, and people went back for seconds. So that's why I know yeah. that it was great.
4: Uh, and. uh so Brooke in the midst of all of this this is 650 <laughs> on Friday sends us a picture of her Exquisite work.
1: Yes, thank you. And
4: it looks like a magnificent meal, and I congratulate you because uh, not only obviously was it well accepted for taste, but the presentation was fantastic as well.
1: Thank you. I'm all about plating.
4: Uh Uh-huh. I'm big on plating.
1: So I did brisket with fingerling potatoes, roasted potatoes Mm -hmm. around the brisket. Then we had the monteball soup, and then you have the latkes, and you have Mm -hmm. the apple sauce and sour cream over there. Mm worked really hard on all this and
4: matthew and i were very excited because here you are with your fiance and your future in-laws but you say oh you know what i gotta send my opening drive guys a picture of this
1: (laughs) (laughs) i did yeah i was just like i was like oh they gotta see this (laughs) can i just say just
5: any culture that has brisket and applesauce is doing uh, you know what i'm cool with that yeah um invite me over and and give me a whole plate of that i'll be fine that sounds
4: fantastic and uh guys my number one I, I vote for the Heisman Trophy, and you can't tell who you vote for for the Heisman Trophy until it's been awarded. Mm-hmm. I did vote for Jaden Daniels number one, but I was thinking, you know what? Our guy Cody Schrader needs some love. Yeah. So yeah. I, I gave, I, I voted uh, Daniels one, Nicks two, Cody Schrader three, thinking, okay, well, get him some points. He finished eighth, and he-, he got a first place vote <laughs> oh, in nice. the Heisman Trophy voting. So wow. congratulations to our buddy Cody Schrader, friend of the show and friend of uh, Fenton Bar and Grill, but eighth. Think about that. Of all the, the college football players in America this year, mm-hmm. he was eighth in the Heisman Trophy voting, which is very, very cool. So congratulations to him and uh, to, to the person that gave him the first place vote. You're cool. Uh, I, I think that's really <laughs> cool. But uh, I, I just think it's great that Mizzou is getting recognized to that level. Not that he won it, but and he, or he, he was a finalist, but Cody Schrader was playing at Truman State three years ago, and yes. now he's top 10 in the Heisman Trophy voting.
5: I think, I mean, the, the fact of the matter is, if you had gone to any Mizzou fan and said before the season, hey, Cody Trader is going to finish as the highest Mizzou player in the Heisman voting since Chase Daniel, the yeah. look on my face, I don't know how I would have contorted it, but I would have, it would have been a weird, like, laugh of, like, I like your optimism, but can I have what you're smoking? Um, because no one would have conceived of that before the game. I mean, he. Chase Daniel and Cody Schrader the last two Mizzou players to get that kind of Heisman voting that's inconceivable
4: a year ago that's inconceivable six months ago yeah. Now, what we do need to do is get a bigger, higher higher profile for Mizzou because at SI.com, a writer named Mike McDaniel, who may double as the coach of the Dolphins, I don't know, but, Uh <laughs> he, he did write that uh, what was more surprising was further down the list where Oklahoma State running back Ollie Gordon II, Mizzou quarterback Cody Schrader, oh. and Michigan quarterback J.J. McCarthy all finished well out of contention but received exactly one first-place vote. So I wish that um, Mike McDaniel at SI, I would just get up to speed with Cody Schrader being a
1: running back. Are you saying that AIs can make mistakes? I am
4: saying that. Yes, they do. Oh,
1: okay. Because that's what that was, right? It was just an AI just, mistake. just an
4: AI mistake. Yeah, it happens. I don't know
5: if he's a... <laughs> Gary's always said he didn't go to Mizzou because they ran the triple option. <laughs> it's
1: true. But I am excited oh. for Cody Schrader. I mean, the fact that he w- was able to accomplish this this season, and we talked about it. I think that he was the best story in college football mm-hmm. this season. And I'm glad that especially towards the end of the regular season, he was getting more more and more national credit he got the burlsworth trophy as we mentioned he was in town for the jack buck awards and won an award there too just to get him all this national recognition he deserves it one of the best stories in college football this year
4: that's three things we loved about the weekend on 101 espn coming up four downs from week 14 in the nfl on the opening drive on 101 espn
3: the smartest
8: way to do
3: To the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN.
2: Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
4: All right, time for four downs from the National Football League. First down. All right, I'm going to start with the Rams at the Ravens. And credit to the Rams, as Matthew Stafford leads them on a seven-play, 57-yard drive at the end of regulation to uh, get a Lucas Haverick field goal, tying the game at 31. Ravens have the ball first in overtime. Don't do anything with it. Rams have the ball second in overtime. Don't do anything with it. And Randy says, uh, as the Rams are getting set to punt, you know, why don't you just run it back for a touchdown? And the Ravens said, okay. Ravens set to get good field position here.
3: Alan Wallace from the 25. Alan Wallace breaks out of the tackle, takes it down the sideline. He stays inbounds. He stays on his feet. He takes it all the way and ends the game.
4: 76 yards for Wallace for the win for the Ravens who oh by the way when you look at the standings now have the inside track to home field throughout the AFC playoffs they're 10-3 and three. they do have a pretty rugged schedule coming up they still have to play the 49ers in a couple of weeks They've got, they're at Jacksonville on Sunday night then they go to San Francisco uh, for a Monday night and Joe and Troy might have the Super Bowl preview there for the Ravens at the Niners then probably the game that decides the number one seed in the AFC the Ravens have Miami at home before finishing up with the Steelers at home Ravens are really really good have trouble closing games out in the fourth but that was a fun one because as you know Brooke my favorite NFL team is the team that's playing the Rams
1: <laughs> I knew exactly that's where I was going all of a sudden a Ravens <laughs> fan huh Randy uh-huh. well, well just for my, the game
4: we have my, my daughter is a huge Lamar Jackson really? and Ravens fan she's got a lot of Ravens gear so yeah well, that's kind of our our household team
1: oh yeah. and what about your son
4: uh, he really doesn't. He's kind of like me. He doesn't have any real emotional attachment to the NFL anymore.
1: No. no. Just cut that loose. The, the unless other, well, unless a team beats the Rams. Exactly. Then yeah. that pride comes back. Yeah.
3: Second down.
1: Mine is going to be, we had a good-for-him game moment. This past weekend and that good for him game Was for Zach Wilson that week Last week as we know started out With reports that Supposedly he didn't want to play in his return If given the opportunity Robert Sala denied those reports And Zach Wilson this past Weekend went out there and he Played really really well It was just a great game from him and the Jets Even Robert Sala saying that it was Zach Wilson's best game of his Career if you guys saw that what happened 27 of 36 passing for three 301 yards with a pair of touchdowns, and it really was the best game of his career. But the biggest thing was just his response to that adversity because all eyes were on Zach Wilson and whether or not he was going to start and what he would do in that start because of all of the drama surrounding him, the stories, the reports coming out. He's been really dragged through a lot this season, and I thought it was a great response from him.
4: And I wonder how much effect Aaron Rodgers had on him basically Saying blanket, I'm just going to be me. And Apparently, his, his teammates, like he said, loved it, and he he probably just needed, uh, like Justin Fields said, sometimes I'm I, I'm. Suppressed by the coaching Maybe this guy just needs to walk away From the coaching and just start playing football I think that that's part of the NFL They The guys are expected to be robots
1: Exactly, and maybe that's what it was He just said, look, I know at the end of the day What's going to happen Did this game really change him and his trajectory For the Jets in the grand scheme of things? No, but it was a game where he said Okay, I'm going to show you guys at least What I have and what I'm made of And that could be very appealing for other teams too
4: Absolutely Third down so, Brooke, when Jake Browning came in against Baltimore about a month ago, everybody thought, not everybody, but a lot of people thought that the Bengals' season was over. And
1: It's okay. Uh, I thought that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can't. It probably
4: yeah. still is. But I, I watched their young quarterback, Jake Browning, just drop back and let it fly. And I love quarterbacks who don't have to think too much and they just. Uh, they. they They play the game. I remember the very first time I saw Kurt Warner play in 98. I thought, wow, this guy just drops back and throws the ball. I hate it when quarterbacks look around and have happy feet. I don't hate it, but uh, I would prefer a quarterback that just determines where the ball needs to go and then throw it there. Well, Jake Browning was 18 of 24 yesterday for 275 yards, three touchdowns, two passing and one rushing, and an interception in the Bengals' 34-14 win over Indy. Browning is the second player since 1950 with a completion percentage of 70 or higher and a passer rating of 95 or higher in each of his first three career starts, joining Chad Pennington, who was with the Jets at the time. Browning has completed 79.3% of his attempts in his first three career starts, the highest completion percentage by a quarterback in his first three career starts since 1950. We're seeing history with Jake Browning here with the Bengals. And I'm really impressed with the young quarterback. This is the guy that they were talking about on the Monday night game with, with Joe and Troy. He had more than uh, 200 touchdown passes. He had 91 touchdown passes as a senior in high school. Had like 229 touchdown passes in three years of high school football. He's got a, an unbelievable history. Played at the University of Washington. And uh, watch out for Jake Browning because he might send old Joe Burrow packing. Uh, mm-hmm.
1: no, mm-hmm. I don't, Randy. Mm-hmm.
4: No. See, see, this is what you would have said. Uh, Trent Green traded by the Rams. No, <laughs> oh, no. no. <laughs>
1: No, no, no. Sometimes history doesn't repeat itself in that way. <laughs> I love this guy.
4: I, I think he's going to be really good.
5: My favorite part about hearing stats like that is that is the idea of just go back and think about how there was a 17 year old for who for a couple of years there was ruining a couple 45 year old coaches defensive coordinators just like nights of sleep. Like oh, there yeah. was a seven, there was a 16, 17 year, 18 year old kid who was keeping adults awake at night. <laughs> like this guy's going to throw nine touchdown passes on us tomorrow. How am I going to go to bed right now? Like that's a fact. I love it. Like the, when Derrick Henry, you see his stats, and you're like, a kid might have cried the morning of a game against him because you're like, this guy's going to go for 500 and he's going to
6: destroy
4: uh, me. Can we give so like credit where credit is due? He threw 10 touchdown passes in his high school <laughs> debut. Oh, wow. His <laughs> debut? <was> nine, yeah.
5: <laughs> I'm guessing he was probably a freshman or a sophomore because he threw 200 in his career. Yeah, he didn't play as a freshman. So Wow. I mean, still, though, some 16-year-old kid cool. walks out and drops 10 on your head. <laughs> Oh, that's a rough yeah. day for
4: you. Sounds like a movie adult. in the making. Yep.
9: You
5: have to go
4: home and pay bills after that happens. Yep. <laughs> God. Uh, sophomore year, uh, 63 touchdowns, 16 <laughs> interceptions. <laughs> Junior year, 75 touchdowns, 17 interceptions. Senior year, 91 touchdowns and 7 interceptions. For his career, 229 <laughs> touchdown passes in 3 oh, years and man. 40 interceptions.
1: Oh. 44
4: and 2 overall.
1: Is a, Legendary. I, yeah. Yeah. Jake Browning. Fourth down. down. Well, this is gonna be a sadder one because the Titans community is mourning the loss of one of their greats, number 89, Frank Wycheck. He passed away at the age of 52 this past weekend. Frank was a part of a lot of great Titans moments and memories, including this one, where he pulled off a miracle that will always be talked about in NFL history.
5: Do the Titans have a miracle left in them in what has been a magical season to this point? If they do, they need it now. Christie kicks it high and short. Gonna be fielded by
6: Lorenzo Neal at the 25. Yeah, Pitches it, to... it back to Wycheck. He throws it across the field to Dyson. He's got something. 30, He's, 40, got
3: something. 50, He's got something. He's got it. He's got 20, it. 20. 10. He's got it. Five end zone. Touchdown Titans. There are no flags on the field. It's a miracle. Tennessee has pulled a miracle
1: the moment that the Music City Miracle was born. And we will always remember Frank Wycheck for that spectacular moment, but also he continued his career in Nashville broadcasting. He was a huge part of the radio, radio community in Nashville, and he will be sorely missed. And it's a huge loss. Randy, I talk about it all the time. It's because of the Music City Miracle. It's because of that Titans team with Steve McNair, Eddie George, Frank Wycheck, all the greats that you could go on and on. The reason why I'm in sports and love sports so much growing up watching that, that's where my sports fandom was born so i'm very grateful to have been able to witness that but also some of the greatest nfl players i've ever seen i don't know if we'll ever see nfl teams like this ever again the greatest show on turf and the music city miracle Mm -hmm. i don't think we'll ever see anything like that in the nfl ever again it was just such a spectacular time in the nfl
4: yeah at the same time to have those memorable events occur and 52 just way too young so our our rest in peace uh, frank wychek uh, that's Brooke. I'm Randy. Coming up on 101 ESPN, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 314 399 9646.
3: 314 399.
4: Yo ho! Take it or leave it next on 101 ESPN. You're
3: back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN.
2: Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. I want to say something? to put it out there?
8: If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, set it right back. Get
2: your
3: text in into 314 399 9646 and give us your
2: Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. <laughs>
4: get your text in now to the air Co- air comfort service text line 314-399-9646 314-399 yo ho randy, and matthew uh and matthew i i hate you. i just want you to know i, <laughs> I, I, I hate you, okay? It's, um, I mean, randy, it
5: it happens. I mean, i deal with it. Sometimes, you know, you just you just got to walk through this world and not care what the other people think. Aww. Uh,
1: aw. Aw. Say you're sorry, Brandy. That was say an, sorry, that was Brandy. Brandy. an moment.
4: Because
1: uh, it, uh. it was sweet. Now say you're sorry, Brandy. Sorry, Matthew. <laughs> uh,
4: Carrie Davis I is taking a vacation apology. day today. All right, kids. Uh, the Aiming High Foundation in L.A. raises funds for those seeking help with mental health and substance abuse issues. And this weekend at an Aiming High Foundation fundraiser somebody spent twenty five thousand dollars to have dinner with hall of famer jerry west take it or leave it there is somebody out there that if you had the wherewithal you would spend twenty five thousand dollars to have dinner with twenty five
1: thousand dollars there's a couple
4: okay got to be alive yeah okay
5: um there's uh there's an author who writes a book series. He he won't write the next book in the series. So I'm like, "You know what? I'm pinning you yes. down in the corner." He's also he also is a huge Giants and uh, Jets nerd. Okay. He likes to talk about the draft. What's so his I'm, name? George R.R. Martin. He did the the, the the Game of Thrones show. Okay. He's the one who wrote the uh-huh. books. If I could pin that SOB down and finally get him to give me some answers on how long it's why it's taken him 14 years to write one book, mm-hmm. I'd pay 25 grand for that in a heartbeat.
1: But then oh. he'll probably tell you, like, no. And no then do you feel like it. you got your 25 grand's worth from that? in
4: the chest.
1: How long do you get with this person?
4: An evening. Three hours.
1: Three hours? Yeah, three
4: hours of dinner. Yeah. Talk. Eat. Am enjoy. I, like, a
1: millionaire in this in this fantasy uh, let's, situation, let's, let's, too? Yeah, because I, it, I don't want to spend 25 So
4: grand. You have a
1: net worth yeah, of a million bucks. You have yeah. means. Oh, okay. You have um, the meats, yeah. yeah. Comfortably do it. Yeah. I would love to meet Serena Williams. That That's, that's been incredible. my idol. So just to be able to hang out with her, that'd be amazing. That'd be fun. I would try to convince her to be my friend so that we could really get our money's worth there. And you there. wouldn't
4: have to spend 25 grand. Yeah, exactly. that'd be
1: good. She'd be like, you keep it. I'm trying to convince yeah. her. We had to such be a great my, conversation. Try to convince her to be my friend. <laughs> yeah. Normally, how good friendships are
5: started. So how about Charles Barkley?
4: Would anybody want uh, to God, do dinner with a Charles good Barkley? One. As yeah, long as he didn't throw anybody one. through the window.
5: No, no, no. Hold on a second. <laughs> It's contingent on that.
4: Yeah, that he couldn't throw anybody through. No, no, the window. that he gets to, that he will throw somebody oh. through oh. a window. Wait, a good one too. wait so yeah. Yeah,
1: That's part of the deal. You want somebody to if do my, that for you if, for
5: twenty-five grand? If it includes Charles calling somebody a knucklehead and then throwing him through a window, I'll, I'll double it.
4: Take fifty. I'll bet if they would get the uh, NBA Tonight crew together, they could, they, get, they could get more God, than twenty-five so grand money. for a dinner.
5: Oh yes, they could
4: with the Charles Shaughnessy. Oh, yeah. You could get a million from somebody to sit a four-top, four yeah.
1: or you could like, yeah. and they do it where you could like sit on the set with them. You mm-hmm. could, you could have that. Oh, that would be a and big a one. Yeah.
4: All right, uh, Matthew, what do we got on the text line there?
1: Did you not? No, I didn't do mine. Oh, yet. I'm sorry, man.
4: I'm, I'm, I'm used to going to uh, carry here.
1: <laughs> I finally redeemed myself. <laughs> no. Yeah, sorry, yes! my bad. Oh.
4: Okay, I know it's going to be great.
5: Hey, Cagney, you, you, you shot and miss on which one it is?
1: It's me. It's me. (laughs) Randy. You forgot all about me. To be fair, I was talking a lot there, so it's okay. I guess. (laughs) I won't hold it against you. I guess. Thanks for not
4: holding it against me, bro. No,
1: totally going to forget about this and not be thinking about it the rest of the day. (laughs) Anyways, uh, take it or leave it. The issue and what Patrick Mahomes is truly angry about is that he's angry about his wide receiver room. I'll
4: take that. Yeah, good call. Really good call. Yeah, they don't really have Tyree Kill there, do they? Or no. Juju Smith Schuster? No. No. It's yeah. When uh, you you have Marquez Valdez gambling and you're counting on penalty calls against him, and even Rice with that big fumble yesterday, and I know Rice is a member of a Roger's Darkness Retreat, uh, but he, <laughs> he he had a bad. They they had multiple bad fumbles yeah. deep into Buffalo territory. Yeah, I can see how uh, Patrick would be upset with that receiver room.
1: They're gonna be gone. Is anybody going to stay except for Rice? Maybe. Just uh, I think MVS might
4: have another year left in his contract, but uh, what do they do? Because they don't have cap room, so they just have to develop kids. Maybe draft another one. I don't know.
5: I mean, but you can see, with a guy like Sky Moore, it's you know, you to have a couple flash plays and still really amounting, You know, not really a good wide receiver.
4: I think Sky is probably a guy that will not be back to Brooks Point. Yes, mm. um, I that one. So, uh, uh, and we're leaving uh, some the the other. There's another young receiver there that makes plays now and then. But you're right. Their receiver room is well. Empty.
1: That's not a good thing if we can't remember who it no, is. No, right, yeah. <laughs> That means they're definitely not doing yep. anything. Because
4: I mean, he used to be, uh, and Hardman is hurt. But it used to be they they had the big guys. But Demarcus Robinson had come up with a play, or Hardman had come up with a play. Now they don't have those random guys that come up with plays anymore.
1: No.
5: If you're Rasheed Rice, man, you have, some, you have quite the runway in front of you. If you mm-hmm. just Sean in practice, it's like you're getting 17 targets from the best quarterback in football. Have fun with that one. Yeah, really. Uh, <laughs> take it or leave it. The Shohei contract that the Dodgers just gave out only creates more of an argument for a salary cap in
4: Major League Baseball. It just seems silly that one player can make more than
5: entire teams.
4: I'm going to leave that and, Brooke, here's why. Because a guy got a $700 million contract. Mm-hmm. If you're a player... You say, well, clearly these teams can afford it. So, and if if you can't afford it, you bought the wrong franchise.
1: Yeah, exactly. It, it brings up a bigger discussion too. Of do you ever see a salary floor happening?
4: No, and that was one thing in the last CBA that the players rejected out of hand because a floor would lead to, to a, a cap. cap. Exactly. And the players don't want that. And the players don't care about the guys that are making seven hundred and fifty grand. By the way, is it seven ninety now? The the minimum. I think the league minimum by the end of this deal goes up to like 900000 or more. So the players aren't bothered by that. That the,
1: Of course the players aren't. And I'm sure no. some owners aren't, too, and that's part of the issue, right? Mm-hmm. Because some owners are benefiting from not having salary floor where they don't have to do much. I'm yeah. looking at you, Pirates and mm-hmm. A's. <laughs>
4: and taking the money and pocketing the revenue-sharing money, too.
1: Exactly.
5: We're going to take, take it or leave it from the YouTube chat, because, of course, if you're watching us on the Airlines team cameras you can also chat with us on youtube and john says take it or leave it the chiefs missed the offensive discipline that coach eric brought to the team
4: i will take that yes. because i do think that there is a group of players that are losing the football and th- there isn't that attention to detail yeah. with ball security that was there when b enemy was there so yeah, I'll, I will agree with that. Justin Watson by the way was the other receiver mm-hmm. that I was trying number 84. I was trying to think up, of.
5: Yeah, he does come up with some big catches here and there. Take your leave with the Chiefs are going to lose the AFC
4: West to the Broncos. Ooh, I Oh. I think it's interesting but I don't think they are.
1: You're not you're not fully bought in on the Broncos? Way,
4: the Broncos are I think they might wind up being a playoff team. But here's the Chiefs now. They they've got they go to New England. They get Vegas at home. They've got Cincinnati at home, and they're at the Chargers. I don't think the Chiefs are going to lose again.
1: I don't know. I don't know what to expect with this NFL season anymore. You never know.
4: You don't. Know, but I just, those are, if they lose another game, if Kansas City loses another game, that will be uh, disastrous for them. Mm-hmm. And Denver, by the way, and Denver's a game behind, and uh, they split, I believe, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Denver is at Detroit next week, uh, actually Saturday on NFL Network. Oh yeah. And then they've got the Patriots at home, Chargers at home, and at the Raiders. So they, they need to, let me make sure that I got that right about the Chiefs game. They lost the first one and won the second one, so they split. Uh, yeah, so I, I'm going to say that the Chiefs still win that division. It would come down to division record, right? Let me see what the division record head-to-head, is. Yeah, the division head-to-head, yeah. Head-to-head, second. they split. Yeah,
5: and then he said and then it's division record after that. Yeah. And then so, it's common opponents.
4: Yeah. So uh, right now, Casey in the division is 3-1, and Denver's two 2-2. Two. So if Casey wins, they're in.
5: Take it or leave it, Sean McDermott's speech to his, te- to his team from 2019 was replayed before the Chiefs game, and that's why they won. They stuck
4: together as a team. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to leave that.
1: You don't think so? No, yeah, I don't think you don't so. Think, you don't think that's what happened there? Not yeah, quite,
4: no. <laughs> I think he, I, he, he probably thought better of utilizing that one again.
1: Mm, yeah. Probably. Maybe.
4: One more? Yes, take it or leave it. A QB wins
5: MVP, and it's Purdy over Dak.
1: Ooh. That's a toughie.
5: Tyree Kill, ladies and gentlemen.
4: Oh, man. I, it's always going to be a quarterback, quarterback wins, though. I'm, I'm going to go with the narrative of Dak. Ugh, yeah, I know.
1: Was that painful for you to say?
4: It was. <laughs> yeah, it is.
1: Randy, you don't have to go throw up in the corner after saying that.
4: I kind of think I do. I'd rather vote for C.J. <laughs> Stroud.
1: Dak I know. He's having
7: a good year.
4: It's, uh, and he's got talent, but Purdy's got talent around him. Leads the league in touchdown passes now by three. Uh, 28 Touchdown passes, six interceptions. I mean, he's thrown for a bunch of yards. I don't know right now how you would vote against Dak Prescott. He's His numbers are better than Purdy's, and Purdy's got better talent around him.
5: There's no way there's another state that has had three different colleges with MVP quarterbacks, is there? With Texas? Texas, mm-hmm. Texas and California would be the only one.
4: Mississippi would be... Oh, you mean that turned out? Yeah, because mm-hmm.
5: you'd have Favre. Eli. No, Eli Eli never won MVP, won Super Bowl MVP. Yeah. Never mind.
4: We'd have to think about this. Uh, Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. And thank you very much for your text. We do appreciate it. Coming up here on 101 ESPN, uh, the Cardinals have signed inning eaters. Are they actually cutting edge again? That's next on 101 ESPN
3: you're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 espn
2: presented by dobbs tire and auto centers on the day's top stories it's the opening drives fresh take
4: I think for a lot of us here in St. Louis, our introduction to really good baseball included back-end-of-the-rotation innings eaters, a guy that would just kind of take one for the team if you needed it, and didn't necessarily have the, the Cy Young resume, but a guy that, at that time, gave you 200 innings. And you, He may have gone 11-11, and 11, but gave you 200 innings and had a high ERA, but was important for a couple of reasons. Number one, he reset the bullpen so that you could get back to the, the front-end of your rotation. And by the way, at that time, everybody gave you innings. It was just the way it was. But the other thing that Innings Eater did is would come up with that occasional gem and provide you a great opportunity. For those of you that watched the Cardinals during the 2000s with their best teams, 04 and 05, and the team that won in 06, Jason Marquis was that back end of the uh, rotation guy that could provide you... A lot of innings well the cardinals signed those guys and i think that there's a lot of people that think okay the cardinals needed to sign a bunch of aces they needed to sign old nola and snell that was never going to happen i think what people wanted and by the way Aaron nola is an innings eater snell is not but what i still want i think the cardinals have masterfully handled this offseason with the signings of lynn and gibson and gray They've gotten off to an incredible start. Now all they need to do is put the cherry on top and get the number one. But there's a great piece in The Athletic about how teams now, managers, want innings eaters, but nobody's developing innings eaters anymore.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's the big conversation, right, is – Is this something that goes to the minor league system? Because I don't know. I mean, it seems like that it starts with development, right? They should be training starters in the minor league system to go and throw six plus innings in the minors. And also how to navigate through a lineup three or, Randy, this is going to be shocking, maybe even four times. No maybe just to see how they can handle that adversity, because then you all of a sudden can't just learn that in the at the big league level. Can you? Because that just no. does not work out well. And maybe that's why some of these managers have, you know, such a quick pull mm-hmm. on some of these starters, because they know that they haven't done that at the minor league system. So why would you expect them to do it at the big league level?
4: And Brooke, think about the Seattle pitcher. Was it uh, George Kirby that had a no-hitter in the eighth and lost the no-hitter and said, I shouldn't have been in the game. Mm-hmm. And, not only physically are pitchers not prepared to throw a bunch of innings. I mean, you, ne- you never see pitchers going over 100 pitches anymore. It used to be people went over 100 pitches all the time. But mentally, those guys are looking over their shoulder now. They get to the f- sixth inning, eh, or sometimes the fifth, and they're thinking, oh, they're, they're going to come out to get me. The, Alec Manoa of the Blue Jays is a guy who hates coming out of games. He loves to at least take the shot at... the the full game and I I love the fact that the Cardinals have these old-school guys and I think to your point one of the things the Cardinals could do that would be cutting edge is develop their young pitchers Mm -hmm. to get into or past the seventh inning wouldn't that be a novel concept to have a guy think okay well first of all Adam Wainwright planned on every single, completing every single game he ever started. He wanted yes. to throw complete games. And it used to be that you'd throw complete games, and it was no big deal. Even a guy like Marquis. Let me give you a snapshot of Jason Marquis in 2004, 15-7 with a 3.7 ERA, 201 and a third innings, and... Um, Let's see. Do we have? Uh, I I don't have the CG stat here, but oh here it, here it is. He didn't have any, but he had three and oh five when the Cardinals uh, won a hundred games, and he threw two hundred and seven innings. This is a, a, a what the guy we're talking about: thirteen and fourteen, four point one three ERA, but over two hundred innings and three complete games. Those pitchers don't exist. And to your point, if you if somebody would start developing them and you have to by the way buck an agent because an agent's going to call and say hey you're throwing my guy too many innings and you say well you know what we drafted him we signed him he's our property well we're going to do what we want with this guy and you develop a guy to turn into a horse i think that would be something when bill dewitt talks about his competitive advantage as a franchise that's something that would greatly enhance the cardinals because then all of a sudden if you're getting seven innings out of a pitcher You only need six innings out of your bullpen changes the entire dynamic of the way the game is played.
1: Yeah, the innings eater can help preserve your entire pitching staff. Mm -hmm. And so I get the line of thinking because last season the Cardinals were in such a bind because their bullpen was being overused. Don't you remember having that conversation pretty early on in the Cardinals season of, man, We are really pulling these starters early. This bullpen is going to have noodle arms by the end of the season. And the bullpen did not do well. Of course, the starters did not do well either. But still, the bullpen was greatly overused. And by having any eaters there, then hopefully you can preserve this pitching staff a little bit better than you did last season. And I do think it goes back to the minor league system of developing these guys, training them mentally and physically Mm -hmm. to be more of a workhorse and handle that. Going through the lineup three, maybe even four times, just getting in that mental state, because if you're in that situation it, it, with anything in life, right, if you haven't done it, then it's going to be harder to do it at a bigger level, bigger stage with more pressure on you.
4: And you also give athletes who at some point are going to have to deal with adversity the opportunity to deal with adversity, deal with a guy on third with nobody out in the eighth inning and don't just take him out. Yes. Right just let him win or lose a game himself start that in the minors but that's one thing we know about Lynn and Gibson and Sonny Gray is that uh, Lynn and Gibson more than Gray they're going to get you into a position because of their grit and determination where they'll battle through some muck to get you to the seventh inning. And I really think that that's an important thing for the Cardinals, especially because we don't know how good their bullpen is going to be.
1: No, we don't know what their bullpen is going to look like. And maybe that's the Cardinals. That was the big whole point of them making these moves early on is to at least get some insurance because we talked about the starting rotation needs to be problem that you're addressing number one bullpen should be 1a and with this this at least helps in that regard but if you're the cardinals now okay you see the value in innings eaters and maybe other teams will as well i mean with Aaron nola he's in that category of being a workhorse and he got paid a lot of money Mm -hmm. by the phillies so there is value in innings eaters if you're the Cardinals, you start to work on developing that more, or can you, considering with what you mentioned, Randy, that you have agents and even analytics possibly hindering you from doing that?
4: You need to have, at least in my opinion, you need to have a real strong belief in what you're doing, and you have to be able to tell an agent, no. And sometimes that's going to bother the agents. but. The kid that you love from Stanford that the Cardinals drafted, uh, that threw like 156 pitches oh, in a game. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, I think that that would be something that you tell the agent. Say, look, the, the kid did it in college. You were why, why didn't you tell him just to leave the game in college? But that's the kind of kid where you say, okay, he knows how to do it already, and you let him deal with it. I really believe that there is a way for Major League Baseball to work around this. Nolan Ryan tried to do it with the Rangers when he was in charge of the Rangers, and the agents went nuts. But you just have to have the conviction and say, okay, to the agent, this is ultimately going to be better for your client because he'll be a unicorn. Nobody else is preparing your client to do what this guy is going to be able to do, and he can make a lot of money for a long time.
1: Quinn Matthews.
4: Yeah. From Stanford. And he's a big guy. And Mm -hmm. yeah, just let him be a horse. Let him be an innings eater because... Right now, and the Cardinals we had we had it last year. The the Cardinals wouldn't let guys be innings eaters, and that's the other part about this. Lynn Gibson Gray, Ali Marmal has to be able to extend those guys and say, okay, you've thrown one hundred and seven pitches. We're going to let you go one hundred and. 20 by letting you throw a 7th inning. And those guys, they don't care. They they want to throw the, the pitches. They want to throw the innings. So let Ali do what he wants to do and get those guys into a 7th inning. Hopefully that's it. And uh, the the line, this is the money line from John Moselock at the Winter Meetings. He's, he said in this story in The Athletic, we aggressively targeted innings. And then the writer, Chad Jennings, goes on to write, not strikeouts, not velocity, not spin rate, innings. And that is massive, and I think that's a huge thing for the Cardinals. So congratulations there to them.
1: There we go. Just real quick before we head out, because I know we have to get to curbs. But somebody texted this in from the six through six pitching. You're forgetting the Cardinals' current manager relies too much on analytics. Will that be different this year? When you're talking about pulling pitchers early, it will have to be different this year, right?
4: Yes, and I'm not so sure that it's. Uh, that's why I said the front office needs to let Ollie do yes. what he wants because. I think ollie probably looks at the game a little differently than the analytics nerds, as people have been inclined to call them in the past.
1: I think you called him that. Okay, <laughs> well, it's just, uh, uh, I, I've heard it from those in, guys who are saying I, I, that. I've out heard there. it from
4: inside baseball. But I, I think if you if that's not a part of the pregame meeting, if you don't say, okay, the script says that this pitcher can only throw ninety nine pitches, and you got to get him out at five and a third. I think ollie would be willing to use the eye test i really do Mm -hmm. but i think that he needs to be allowed to manage because that is his title
1: that's a novel concept it kind
4: of is yeah i don't think tony larusa when he was uh, can i get okay we're gonna get to curbs but curbs will like this down the stretch (laughs) in 06 okay the cardinals are playing a home game against milwaukee and they had had a terrible i mean a terrible september and this was a game where the cardinals They had to to have the weekend. It's his last home game. It's a Friday night, and Marquis is out there, and he only goes two innings. He allows six runs on five hits and only 43 pitches, but Tony had to get him out of there. But he shouldn't have even gone two. He wound up going two. He should have only gone one, but he was willing to. Tony was willing to let him take one for the team. His game before that was the one I was thinking of. Five and a third. He allowed three runs on nine hits. And again, probably shouldn't have been out there for that long, but Tony let him go. You need to have those guys that have the mentality to be able to take one for the team. And that's another thing that Gray and Lynn specific, uh, not Gray, Gibson and Lynn specifically can do. They can allow four runs in the first and still give you six innings, and that's an important thing, too. It is. Coming up, the Blues are back in action tomorrow night. It is Punch a Red Wings fan in the face day here in St. Louis, and uh, Chris Kerber is going to join us to talk about celebrating next on 101 ESPN. You're
3: back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN.
2: Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Curbside with the voice of the blues, Chris
3: Kerber. Brought to you by Scott Lee Heating Company, a proud Mitsubishi Electric Elite contractor.
4: carry is out today. It's Brooke and Randy in the opening drive and Chris Kerber joins us here as he does every Monday morning here on 101 ESPN. Kerbs, I don't know if you were listening. We were just talking about the, the baseball innings eater and I know that you and I have similar thoughts about baseball, but I kind of equate the innings eater in baseball. that innings eating back of the rotation guy, kind of like Barrett Jackman at the end of his career. A guy who could give you a ton of effective minutes but really isn't appreciated. And I wonder, Curbs, if, if that hockey player really exists anymore. You know, that that inning, that, that minute-muncher, uh, third-pairing defenseman.
9: Yeah, well, uh,
6: you know, I wonder if that's the role that Robert Bortuzzo is going to be playing for the New York Islanders now. I thought of that name. Uh, yeah, as, as one of the options. I think the game has changed enough, Randy, where they're looking – I just don't think you're looking for, like, just kind of that solid, go out on the third pair, don't make any mistakes, keep things as it is, and then, you know, put that next pairing in a better spot on the ice than when you started. And Because I just think top to bottom, you know, they're looking for production from everybody. They're looking for mobility from from everybody. They're looking for speed and puck moving. So the game itself is a little bit different, but come playoff time, come playoff time, those guys that you're talking about, those reliable Get on the ice for 15 minutes and and not make many mistakes are are very, very valuable. So they do exist. Luke Shen in Nashville, I think, might be that guy right now, Mm -hmm. Uh, something like that. So uh, they're out there. It's just not as many of them.
4: Along those lines, Brooke and I talked about this earlier as well. Do you think a team like the 2019 Blues can make a run anymore, or has the game gone away from consistent hard work and two? maybe inconsistent skill so much that a team like that one will have difficulty because it's hard to find the guys. It's hard to find 18 guys that aren't superstars to work that hard.
6: Uh, I actually think Randy, that if you can, I think that they could not only win another cup, that group together, I think they could dominate. Uh, You know, I just look at what Vegas was a bit like quite a lot like that, that, 2019 team they're just hard to hit good size on the defense good goaltending hard hard to get through uh you come into the zone you go into a corner you were going to get hit uh the the puck moving ability and their skill you know from the first line through the fourth line so i i actually still think that that's the recipe to win uh, versus the other way
1: Herb's obviously a very tough weekend for the Blues and some very interesting and frustrating comments coming out of the locker locker room, especially from the captain and Braden Shen. This one I found the most interesting, where he said, it's not everyone, but you can't just choose when you want to show up. Who is he talking about there?
6: Well, I I think, first off, it was, you honestly have to look at that weekend, you know, and, and if you're going to be fair about it, you're going to say that's a very disappointing weekend. Those were two winnable games, right? And instead of sitting three points behind Nashville, now who's jumped up at Jed, you, you've only got a three-point lead over Minnesota. You know, you'd still be in a wild-card spot and knocking on the, uh, the door of third place in the division rather than sitting on a three-game losing streak and about to take on the teams you're going to take on this week. So, yeah, that, it was a very disappointing weekend, but not even so much because of the losses but because of how the losses happened. There were just times where the play wasn't there. And these two teams that are not very good took it to the Blues really well. You know, look at scenarios like you had Sammy Blay as a healthy scratch. You had Alexandrov as a healthy scratch. They went down to the minor leagues to call up Hugh McGain to take the place of healthy hockey players that have been in the NHL all year, right? Um, Kasperi Kapanen. Was on a fourth line in a checking role, you know, with Toropchenko and uh, and Oscar Sundquist. Uh, you know, Verana was out of the lineup, got back into the lineup. Um, th- there's things like that that you know, and we're talking there, and we're talking like three guys, for example. And I'm not saying that Shen was calling these three guys out, but I'm I'm using this as an example. Look at how those three guys played in the final 20 games of the regular season last year, and compare it to what you're seeing now. Now is it fair? Completely, you've got a team that was out of it. There wasn't any pressure last year. You name it; it's a little bit different than teams fighting and clawing to try to make the playoffs. Okay, so the pressure is different. But you're looking at three very solid top nine players that right now was one was out of the lineup, one was on the third lineup, one was on the it was on the fourth line. That, when that that's just hard to fill. There's only been one forward for the St. Louis Blues this year. That's elevated his game to where he's moved up the lineup, and that's Jake Neighbors. You know, You know, and there's there's been some consistency with, with Butchnevich in the last couple of games. I think Robert Thomas uh, has, has been really good, you know, and and even, even Shen will tell you that his production isn't where it needs to be, you know, right now, and especially on the power play for all those guys. So, you know, I, I don't think he wanted to lump everybody in, but at the same time, there's more than just one or two that he's referring to where it's an all-around team game. To to Randy's question about, you know, what does it take to win now, this team has to be a sum of its parts, and when you don't have all the parts really putting the work ethic in to win, I mean, the puck battles, if you can get to it, that kind of thing, and that's where I think they struggled the most over these last two games was winning puck battles. Uh, it's It's hard for them to win because you're always chasing the puck. You're always chasing the game if you play that way. And so um, accountability was something that was being talked about. And, you know, it's one thing to say it to the microphone, but we'll we'll see if it happens when it's talked about in the locker room.
4: Curbs, it's been uh, an interesting schedule, to say the least. Now the Blues have a three-game homestand, go on the road for two, then another three-game homestand, and then as you head into January, you, you go on the road, but then in January you have a stretch of four out of five at home, five out of six at home. Do you think home cooking can benefit this team, consistent home cooking can benefit this team over the course of the next month?
6: Well, it has to. I mean, it, it has to. You're going to get a really good snapshot of where you're at over the next month without a shred of doubt. You just finished a stretch of 11 out of 15 on the road, and you went 7 and 8 during that stretch. Uh, there were winnable games in that mix. Those last two we talked about, the the San Jose game. Uh, you had the two-goal lead on Vegas. I mean, you, you could have come out of that stretch probably with three or four more wins, and, and we're talking about a really exciting at this point going into the Christmas holiday. Instead, you're chasing it. You've got a goal differential of minus 12. You've got to right the ship now as you're about to begin 11 of 15 on home ice, to your point. So to me, uh, it's critical for them to take care of business on home ice, to stay in the thick of things right now. Look, you're disappointed with the way the weekend went, but look at the standings, and you find yourself right now just one point out of a wild card spot. So this Western Conference hasn't been a juggernaut. You're at 500. You can build still from there and and go from there. But uh, the, biggest, the biggest indicator, Randy, and, and I know right now it might look a little bit different because you've got like the Washington Capitals at minus eight and in a playoff spot. But go back over, you know, say the last 15 years and you only see one, maybe two teams that might make the playoffs each year with a minus goal differential. You can look at all the metrics, everything you want. I'm telling you, one of the biggest indicators of a playoff team is goal differential, and you got to find a way to get to plus. So they've been giving up way too many goals of late, and that's where I think the focus on home ice is going to have to be.
4: Kerbs, always good to hear your voice. Don't forget tomorrow's a 6.30 start. Oh, I'm glad
6: you told me that. I'm going to put that on my phone right now.
4: Okay, appreciate it. Uh, you have a great day and a great week, brother. We'll see you soon. All right, guys. Talk to you next week. See, See ya. Yeah. That's the voice of your St. Louis Blues here on 101 ESPN Chris Kerber. Great to have him with us. Coming up next, it's the fight. Stick around. Do you need a fighter, Matthew?
5: Uh, yes. You beat up on Preston on Friday, so he did not he is not going for the Hall of Fame today. So right. we do need a fighter.
4: Uh. Uh, so if you if you'd like to fight, just uh, text in to our text line. 314 646 314 Yo-ho! Your name, the word fight, and maybe Matthew will pick you to fight me next on 101 ESPN.
2: You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the
3: fight! In the red corner, Average Joe Listener!
1: to the opening drive Brook Grimsley here alongside Matthew Rocchio and it is time for the fight and that means that somebody is fighting Randy character today and that somebody is Kyle. Kyle how are you doing this morning?
9: Awesome how are you doing Brooke?
1: Good good are you ready to take on Mega Mind in the fight today it's a whole weekend off so he's rested and ready how do you feel about that?
9: Has he had a propel?
1: Um, did he have one when he exited the room? I think he might have had one to start off the day, yeah. He usually Uh, has one, and he took grapes out, and the grapes have been fueling uh, him.
5: I can see him right now. He's got grapes and Diet Dr. Pepper. Oh,
1: he's got a Diet Dr. Pepper. He's just chowing down on grapes. Tough combination. (laughs) All right. Well, Kyle, you ready to take on Randy in the Fight? Absolutely. Okay, let's get started. Patrick Wisdom is sometimes listed as a Cardinal prospect who got away with his success in Chicago. Which team did the Cardinals trade him to on this day back in 2018? Was it the Diamondbacks, the Marlins, or the Rangers?
9: Diamondbacks.
5: Antonio Gates has the most receptions for an undrafted player with 955, but which receiver is the only other undrafted player to eclipse 900 catches? Is that Marcus Colston? Wes Welker or Rod Smith?
9: Uh, man. Wes Welker. I'll go with Wes.
1: Shohei Otani's contract averages out to $70 million per year, which would be higher than this past year's total team salary for two franchises, the Oakland A's and which other AL team? Is it the Orioles, the Royals, or the Rays?
9: I would have guessed the Pirates, so I'm glad you said AL. I would say, um, let's go with the race. Right.
5: Did the race?
9: Yes, sir. All right, perfect. Uh,
5: last night, Cowboys kicker Brandon Aubrey hit both a 59- and 60-yard field goal in the same game, the first time that has ever been done. Undrafted by the NFL, which pro sports league drafted Aubrey? Was in that... Last... All right, MLS, there it is. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you're (laughs)
1: all good. You're all good. Hey, when you know, you know.
5: That was sick. (laughs) Yeah, it was, and they mentioned it a thousand times. Uh, We're going to double-check our score, and we're going to bring in Randy Carricker.
1: All right, Kyle, how are you feeling after the fight? Uh, The
9: first three, it's questionable. Obviously, the fourth one, I know, but um, I probably pegged a couple of them.
1: There you go. Yeah, the last one, you definitely figured that one out pretty quickly, (laughs) because when you know, you know. Randy right. is in the room with his Diet Dr. Pepper this morning. Randy, why the Diet Dr. Pepper today?
4: Because I had it in my cooler. Oh, okay. Usually
1: there. you've been you've been propel pretty consistently I well, lately. Well, I've got
4: propel too. That's why I, oh. I need to do my water. So oh. But yeah, just a little caffeine on a Monday morning doesn't hurt you
1: There you go. Cal- and some does not. And say hi to Kyle. Randy.
9: Kyle, good morning. How you doing? Good morning, sir. I'm doing well. Thank you. Appreciate
4: listening to you guys. Uh, Thank you very much for listening, and thanks for playing today.
1: All right. You ready, Randy? Ready. Question number one. Patrick Wisdom is sometimes listed as a Cardinals prospect who got away with his success in Chicago. Which team did the Cardinals trade him to on this day back in 2018?
4: Uh, The Cardinals traded Patrick Wisdom to the Texas Rangers, I believe, for Drew Robinson, if I'm not mistaken. Drew Robinson uh, subsequently attempted suicide and now is in the Giants organization as a mental health coach and so make, now you know and expect that full run there
5: okay <laughs> uh, Antonio Gates has the most receptions for an undrafted player with 955 hmm. but which receiver is the only under, other undrafted player to eclipse 900 catches
4: hmm I will do the lifeline Matthew is it Marcus Colston no Wes Welker yes or Rod Smith Uh, I believe former St. Louis Ram Wes Welker with the kazoo helmet.
5: (laughs) It was like this big and his body was not. So, And
4: I I think he actually may have gone over 900 catches as a member of the Rams. I think I might have been at the game where he caught his 900th pass. So I will go with uh, Wes Welker.
1: Shohei Otani's contract averages out to $70 million per year, which would be higher than this past year's total team salary for two franchises, Mm -hmm. the Oakland A's and which other AL team?
4: Baltimore Orioles.
5: All right, Randy, and last night, Cowboys kicker Brandon Aubrey hit both a 59- and 60 yard field goal in the same game, the first time that has ever been
4: done. Undrafted by the
5: NFL, which pro sports league drafted Aubrey.
4: First of all, I was shocked that Greg Zerlein never did that. Yeah, me too. That he never hit a 59 and a 60 in the same game. I believe they showed last night on the broadcast that he was drafted to MLS, that Aubrey was drafted to a, a, a soccer team, but then uh, went to the NFL instead.
5: I think the money's better? Um, <laughs> yes, uh, even for a kicker, I think. I mean, you got to be pretty much one of the best players in the MLS to make over a million, so mm-hmm. yeah, it's probably. Probably he's probably doing better yeah. than if he had but all. he's probably not making what Zerlai made with the Cowboys. Probably not. No, that was that was pretty good money. Yeah. So, did Randy Carreker take down Kyle in today's fight? Does Megamind roll on, or does Kyle jump up and grab Megamind for a win on a Monday? A rare Monday win. Randy's always locked in over the weekend. I think it's because he reads like stat books. I do. Yeah. Okay. See, that's that's <laughs> how I thought. So, <laughs> does reading the stat book on Sunday give Randy Carreker another win, or does Kyle get a win here? Ring. That. Bell. Go crazy, folks! Go crazy!
3: The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carriker.
5: I'm sorry, Kyle, you got two correct, but unfortunately Randy hit the jack. He got four and he beat you four to two today.
9: Shocked. (laughs) Not
5: at all. all. Let's go through those questions. Let's go through those answers. Patrick Wisdom, sometimes listed as a Cardinals prospect who, quote unquote, got away following his success in Chicago, but it was not straight to the Chicago Cubs. The Cardinals first did, in fact, trade him to the Texas Rangers for Drew Robinson. Randy got every piece of that story right, and especially the depressing parts. Mm -hmm. Uh, Antonio Gates, the most receptions for an undrafted player with 955, which receiver has the only only other undrafted player to eclipse 900. It is, in fact, Wes Welker, who caught 13 passes in his final season season with the 2015 Rams, which therefore with 903 means he crossed that 900 catch mark in a Rams jersey, which is insane. Uh, Shohei Otani's contract averages out to $70 million per year, which would be higher than the past year's total team salary for the Oakland A's and the Baltimore Orioles. And last night, Cowboys kicker Brandon Aubrey hit a 59-60 and 60 yarder in the same game, the first time that has ever been done. He went undrafted by the NFL, but he was a first-round pick in the MLS Super Draft. So a 4-2 win for Randy Character today. Kyle, thank you so much for joining the fight and joining the show
9: hey thanks for having me i listen every morning so can't wait to hear you guys tomorrow thank, Aw, you, kyle. thank you kyle we appreciate kyle. it
4: kyle there
1: you, I'm there you go experience. randy how are you feeling after the fight and your diet dr I pepper i
4: feel pretty good i had a ch- i
5: changed question four late last night because i originally had it as who's the only other nfl kicker to get drafted out of- who get- to get drafted by the mls he played for the Chargers and the Jaguars.
4: Chargers and the Jaguars. I thought this was too uh, random. Uh, it's not Nate Cading, is it? No. No. Um, oh, uh, I'll know the name when you say Josh it. Josh Lambeau. Lambeau, yep. There no. you go. Yep. I didn't realize he got drafted to MLS. Yes, did. Congratulations yep. to him. All right, there's the fight on 101 ESPN. Coming up, the NFL has a lot of players in the playoff, uh, a lot of teams in the playoff hunt, but not many great teams. Is that better for the league? That's next on 101 ESPN.
3: You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN.
2: Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Birdie. fake Has a man. Wide open is caught. Kittle. Penalty flag. Kittle on the way to the end zone. It's a touchdown.
5: But let's see what the penalty is. And I, don't, I don't think the penalty is going to matter. I think Julian Love's...
3: The safety came up and knew he was beat.
4: Well, one of the teams that we know is really good is the San Francisco 49ers. And there are other really good teams in the NFL in 2023. The Baltimore Ravens are there at the top of the list. Uh, You you can find several, but the, the... the real thing, Brooke, that I see in the NFL this year is that there's a lot of mediocrity after yes. the Ravens and the Dolphins. You've got this huge group at either eight and five, seven and six in the AFC. The Chiefs, Jags, Browns, Steelers, Colts, Texans, Broncos and Bengals and Bills are all eight and five or seven and six. And you have one team that has double-digit wins if Miami wins tonight you'll have two teams in the AFC that have double-digit wins it's even more pronounced in the NFC where you have three double-digit win teams Niners Cowboys Eagles and then the Lions at nine and four but then you're looking at seven and uh, by the end of tonight you'll have this group at seven and six or six and seven Vikings Packers Bucks Rams Seahawks Falcons Saints and then the Bears sliding in at five and eight A lot of teams have an opportunity to make the playoffs, but it would seem don't have much of an opportunity to advance very far in the playoffs. So is it good to have uh, an Atlanta fan base? that has a chance to make the playoffs, or a Saints or a Seahawks fan base that has a chance to make the playoffs, but they know that the first thing they see is going to be either the Niners or the Cowboys, and they'll probably get blitzed in the first round of the playoffs.
1: I'm going to say no, and it's with what you just said earlier. There's been so many mediocre games this season that it's been more frustrating than fun to watch, at least from my own perspective. I have enjoyed. I have not enjoyed watching this NFL season because you don't know what to expect from games and we even have seen the 49ers struggle we've seen the Eagles struggle where there's been some lopsided games where it just really doesn't make sense this season in the NFL does not make sense whatsoever and I don't know it's because we've seen a lot of injuries when it comes to quarterbacks in this league quarterbacks that we thought Mm -hmm. were going to be huge Joe Burrow being one of them he dealt with injuries all throughout the season is now out for the rest of the season but he's not the only one we've had a lot of backup quarterbacks having to play in games but to me, this has not been an enjoyable stretch for the NFL.
4: I was somebody, as a Rams fan, that, as a St. Louis Rams fan, in their last years here, I, I was all about, okay, they have a chance to make the playoffs, and then anything can happen. I think the league has changed, to your point. I really don't think that these teams that have a chance, 16 9 of the 16 AFC teams are 8 and 5 or 7 and 6 and those teams probably aren't going anywhere. Same thing with the NFC. 7 teams are going to end the weekend either 6 and 7 or 7 and 6. I don't think those teams are going anywhere. I think the difference it's not haves and have nots. It's haves and kind of haves and mm-hmm. I think the difference between the haves and the kind of haves is so pronounced now that the kind of haves really don't have a chance. Uh, do I see anybody going into San Francisco and winning? San Francisco no. spent the better part of three games, two full games, and then most of another game without Debo Samuel. They lost all three. Otherwise, mm-hmm. they're 10-0. and 0. And somebody, uh, a texter said, well, why don't you throw Trent Williams in there? Trent Williams played, I think, 87% of the snaps in uh, one of the games that he was hurt. But Debo Samuel is a difference maker, as we saw yesterday, for the 49ers. Same thing in the AFC. Baltimore, by all rights, should be undefeated. They lost to the Steelers in a game that they had a lead in the fourth quarter. They lost to the Colts in a game where Matt Gay had four 50-yard field goals. And then their other loss was also in the fourth quarter, and that was to Cleveland, the 33-31 loss. To me, this looks so much like the home teams, like it's going to be San Francisco and Baltimore. I, I think the NFL could use a few more halves. And you mentioned the Burrow injury. If Joe Burrow is healthy, then it looks like a different league, doesn't it? It
1: does. It really does. And and that's my kind of frustration is that I really expected this entire season to go differently. I like having those big names, the big mm-hmm. quarterbacks facing off against each other. I like having some of that dominance. And I know that some people say, well, it's the same thing you expect every single season. Yeah, because they're so dominant. And that's what you want to see. You don't want to see people who are just kind of stumbling into things. And that's why this season has just been so weird. The fact that the Broncos are now right behind the Chiefs is just weird. I don't think yeah. anybody could predict that no. at the beginning of the season.
4: Is that a team, by the way, if we're going to pick out uh, uh, halves and kind of haves, and let's just count Denver as a kind of half, is that a scary team once the playoffs start? I, I, I'm just saying the home teams are going to win. Could you see Denver with the way they're playing defense? By the way, they almost had a shutout yesterday. They yeah. allowed 70 points earlier in the season. Uh, yesterday, they beat the Chargers 24-7. to With Sean Payton coaching them and... With Russell Wilson at the helm at quarterback and the way they're playing defense, are they kind of
1: scary, Denver? Maybe a little bit, but then we've also seen things go sour for them this season. So that's where it makes it so unpredictable with what you've seen. Typically, the Chiefs are going to be the scary one in the conversation, right? Mm -hmm. Because of Patrick Mahomes, but he doesn't have any reliable receivers now outside of Travis Kelsey and maybe Rasheed Rice in that category.
4: Right. And if we started the playoffs today, let me make sure that I get this right. I think that uh, it would be, let's see, two versus seven would be Miami and Indy. And then ooh, uh, three versus six would be the Chiefs and the Steelers. That'd be an interesting game. Mm-hmm. And then four or five Jags and Browns, which we saw yesterday. But if Denver can slide in there, uh, Denver, Kansas City, Denver going into Kansas City for a first round game. I think it'd be really interesting, and because and, of the
1: season, you wouldn't know what to expect.
4: Yeah, and I, I just don't see aside from the Eagles, who are an anomaly as a ten and three wildcard team, but I don't see the Buccaneers, who lead the NFC South now, being scary at all. No. I don't see the Vikings; they won three to nothing yesterday. <laughs> I don't see them being scary. I don't see the Packers being going on the road and being scary. The Rams, Seattle, Atlanta. I don't see any of those teams being scary. That's why I think the home teams have a distinct advantage. The best teams in the league have more of an advantage this year than they've ever had.
1: We got a text from the 618, which this is good. One. Wouldn't it be good theater, though, to have Joe Flacco go into Baltimore and win a playoff game?
4: That would be great theater. That would be amazing. Uh, And I, theoretically, yeah, that that could happen. Although Baltimore gets that first round bye. So Cleveland would have to win on the road. Well, they could win in Jacksonville and... and still, I guess, be the lowest-seeded team left. That'd be, yeah, just seeing Flacco play the game in Baltimore, a playoff game in Baltimore would be interesting. So, anyway, it's a mediocre league. It feels like it's more mediocre, me- mediocre now than it's ever been. That's It really does.
1: Point. No, and we were talking about earlier, with the passing of Frank Wycheck, just that era of football. I mean, you went from the Music City Miracle and The Greatest Show on Turf to what would you even describe this season? Is there... Meh. <laughs>
4: Meh. Right, because didn't the... Uh, I guess yeah. Was it did the Titans go fourteen and two that year? I'm not sure, but the the Rams were thirteen and three. Titans were really good. Jaguars. What I'm just saying, were really like
1: good. two very dominant teams where they were also well matched.
4: Yeah, it was great, and there were multiple because the Jags were really yes. good that year. The Vikings, even though they didn't have the best record, was a super talented team. Buccaneers had an epic defense. You had what you could argue is okay. Some of uh, a top five unit of all time kind of sprinkled throughout the league. I don't think that any team now has what we would say is an epic all-time unit playing. Yes. Right off the top of my head, there's not an offense or a defense where I say, "Man, I got to tune in to see that because they're different than anybody else has ever been."
1: Exactly. And that's when you're comparing that, you just don't have that like you did then. This yeah. season especially, you just do not feel that whatsoever. Yep.
4: 1999 Titans were 13 and 3. I think that's when um Fisher called Everbank Stadium their home away from home, <laughs> right? Because they always won in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. That must have been fun. The, the arrogance of of that team. <laughs> no, they were. It was during that time. Great, yeah, great, great yeah. athletic arrogance. It was fun. It's like the the greatest show on turf. Rams. You know, people talk about players jumping on logos and stuff like that. Yeah. The, uh, in pregame, the Rams would get all forty five players dressed for a game, really tight together, and they would jump on the opposing team's logo in midfield during pregame warm ups. And w- what, what the hell was the other team going to do about it? You weren't going to stop him. <laughs> so. Just watch. Yep, exactly. Coming up, the Rush Hour Reset here on 101 ESPN.
2: You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
3: The biggest sports stories of the day on the Opening Drive with a Rush Hour Reset.
4: Tonight we have Monday night football. Titans and Dolphins we will have the kickoff for you at 7.15 here on 101 ESPN. And then tomorrow night, don't forget the early start for the Blues and the Red Wings. 5.30 pregame, 6.30 faceoff as the Blues take on Detroit in St. Louis for the only time this year. And you may or may not get a chance to see David Perron. He's got a hearing with the NHL uh, Discipline Committee today, and we don't know how that's going to turn out. Uh, David protecting his
1: teammates. That's that's what David Perron does. And
4: then he might get a six-game suspension just for being a good guy.
1: Yeah, well, cross-checking involved always, Uh, you know.
4: Did did the guy have to go to the hospital? If the guy didn't have to go to the hospital... (laughs) (laughs)
1: Then <laughs> it should be it's fine. All it's, Just it's let all the good. kids play. Yeah, right. Yeah, let there you go.
4: And then uh, Patrick Kane, also now a member of the Detroit Red Wings. So they're in town tomorrow night. and Then the Blues take on the Senators on Thursday night. Uh, we've got Chris Zimmerman, the Blues president, coming up here in about 10 minutes here on 101 ESPN. And Bob Nightingale from USA Today talking uh, about the Shohei Ohtani contract and the fallout from the Ohtani contract. As a matter of fact, Ohtani did sign for $700 million over 10 years with the Dodgers on. On Saturday, aside from the money, Jeff Passan of ESPN, why would Shohei go to L.A.? Look,
0: they were the favorite at the beginning for one reason and one reason only, and that's that they could pay the most money. And look, $700 million, I mean, when you compare it to the biggest contract in MLB history, Mike Trout's $426.5 million, dwarfs it. When you compare it to the biggest free agent contract in MLB history, Aaron Judge's $360 million almost doubles it so there was the money there was also the fact that Shohei Otani having played down the five in Anaheim for six years really grew to respect the processes that the Dodgers have in place and how they develop players in their farm system and the technology and science and everything they do but the third thing they win and Shohei Otani as we saw in the World Baseball Classic this year loves winning, and he thought that winning in Los Angeles was going to be the best place to do so.
4: Okay, Brooke, I'm, I'm scrolling here. I'm at baseball reference looking at world champions oh. over full season scrolling.
1: <laughs> I knew that. Scrolling, scrolling. As soon as he said World Baseball Classic, I was like, what else happened, yeah.
4: though? Yeah, scrolling. 1988 was the last time the Dodgers won a full season World Series. Mm. Give them credit for 20 when they won in the COVID year. Yes. But 60 games is a lot different than 162. So maybe Shohei will be the difference. Shohei has never even played in the playoffs yet. Maybe he'll be the difference between them winning and not winning World Series. You know their rotation is right now? Mm-hmm. Uh, their rotation is like, and maybe they'll get Yamamoto. But uh, their rotation, uh, Bobby Miller heads their rotation. Walker Bueller's in it. Ryan think uh, They've got uh, like four guys that are coming back uh, that are out for the year with Tommy John. Dustin May may come back in the middle of the season. They got to go buy some pitching, too.
1: Well, and that's the reports is that they are supposedly reportedly interested in Dylan Cease, so they might try to make a trade for that. And Mm -hmm. they do have the prospects, because as we know now, that if the White Sox are going to give up Dylan Cease, they are going to want your top prospects. And so the Dodgers do have that available. And now they're reportedly in on Tyler Glass now. Mm -hmm. And they have shown they have the money and capability to do so. But that is the big question with Shohei Otani with what Jeff Passan was saying there. By the way, what a nice guitar riff that was oh, yeah, by it was Jeff great. Passan. <laughs> he yeah. just dropped there in the middle of the conversation. Mm-hmm. But what would be considered successful getting the most out of this contract with the Dodgers?
4: To me, if the Dodgers win a World Series... Just one? Just one. It's worth it. It's worth it. I I would make any trade to win a World Series. People always were... Even getting to the World Series is a pretty cool deal. When the Cardinals traded Andy Van Slyke and Mike Lavalier and Mike Dunn to the Pirates back in 1987, they went to the World Series. People, and Andy goes on to become a multiple-time uh, all-star, great player. Uh, Lavalier was a key part of the Pirates winning three divisions. But for me, if you make a move to get you to a World Series, generally that's good. Now, $700 million is different. But, yes, if the Dodgers win a World Series, and it's in large part because of Shohei Otani's presence there, I think it's worth it. What do you think? Do you think it takes more than one World Series to well, make it Well, it's
1: interesting, because it? I'm sure you were listening this morning to Unsportsmanlike with Michelle Smallman on there, and they were discussing that, and it felt like that they were talking about you would need to, like, win at least two, but... I think we all know how hard it is to win, especially a World Series or a championship in any caliber like that. Dodgers, one, (laughs) Yeah, just ask the Dodgers. It's been really hard for them to do that. So I think that, of course, the front end of this contract is where you're hoping to get the most out of this. The back end, it's never going to look pretty or good.
4: It could be really ugly. It
1: could be really ugly. And that's what you sign up for with these long long-term contracts but I think for the Dodgers for them to break through they have had so much talent and now he's joining as some names you mentioned but also Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman Mm -hmm. that's some scary stuff but they always do well in the regular season as we've seen for the past two seasons but the postseason is where they do not find much success and
4: if they're healthy they could have a a team I think they maybe they hit Otani second Betts Otani Freeman that is uh, right, left, left, and then you go right with Will Smith, left with Muncie, left with Outman, left with Hayward, Taylor hitting eighth. I think you have to move Taylor up in the lineup because he's a right-handed hitter. And then Gavin Lux, another lefty hitting ninth. But I, I think you probably have to move Taylor up to maybe the number six hole, or sixth or seventh, and then move Jason Hayward down. It's a pretty formidable lineup, and they do have a, a lot of left-handed hitting. They might be vulnerable to left-handed pitching at times, but... Otani and Freeman both hit lefties really well. It's going to be a monstrous lineup to face, especially the top 5.
1: How much credit do you give the Dodgers for the 2020 win?
4: I I have trouble with uh, and you know what they they did win. It's really unfair. They did. It's it, there's
1: there's but, definitely it feels like there's an asterisk there, right? Yeah,
4: because how many times and I know this isn't the Dodgers' fault, but how many times has a team looked really good after 60 games and then fallen apart? Yes. 2015 the Giants had the best record in baseball. At the all-star break it was yeah it was a year after their last championship best record in baseball after the the all uh, before the all-star break this after like 90 games worst record in baseball after the break and especially because they didn't have to play a real September where the the games are played at such an extraordinarily intense level I just I can't Give them that. It's really hard for me. I know it's unfair, but it's hard for me to to give them credit for that world championship.
1: Yeah, I think it's fair. I think Lakers that, that's bubble. A lot
4: of Lakers bubble. I feel the same way about. Do you, Matthew?
5: <laughs> no, just because. I mean, you, if you win the championship with the parameters, like I just, I just, I just feel like there's a lot of weird seasons across a lot of sports. You know, there's strike-shortened seasons and things like that. I just, I that's, I don't want to get too caught up in that stuff. You win a championship, win a championship.
1: I guess, but it is a little bit different, uh, especially I, I, with baseball.
4: Think about this, Brooke: how fluky that whole COVID thing was. The oh, Montreal, so The fluky. Montreal Canadiens yeah. were in the Stanley Cup Finals.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they're
4: terrible the year before. Go to the Stanley Cup Finals, terrible the year after. I mean,
1: that was a weird time for sports in it general. Was, yeah. It was very weird.
4: Yeah, and it's also and weird. And then just, you had
1: people. You didn't have real people in the stands. Right, cardboard you, cutouts. Yeah,
4: you had me. And yeah, well, me, me and michelle were in there a lot oh yeah
1: i saw that yeah, yeah i forgot to buy one of those i should have
4: yeah that would have been great to have brooke in the stands with us
1: yeah so the, the oh, entire well.
4: Fastlane crew was in there bt and anthony and uh who was with them at the time <laughs> it was pre-rives i think maybe i don't know maybe ronji was uh, i don't know i don't remember i don't, I don't remember, I don't I don't remember sure. when ronji i should back. have
1: just like snuck mine in there yeah, just like went to good. a print store and because how much was it
4: I think it was like 100
1: bucks or something. Oh, yeah. No, I, I was not. I didn't have that money. No. Nope. Okay. Give me that's-
4: that was <laughs> Cardinals Care. I went to Cardinals Care. <laughs> that's
5: like four things of toilet paper. I didn't have that kind of cash oh, yeah, that's lying that's around 2020. Right, yeah, you hey, get yep. me yeah, yep. yeah.
1: that. was uh, That was the real currency we'll back then. <laughs> coming up,
4: Blues President uh, Chris Zimmerman is going to join us. The Blues have an incredible initiative coming up, and we're going to talk to Chris about that next on um, 101 ESPN.
2: To the opening
3: drive podcast on 101 ESPN,
2: presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
7: You know, like his top lip is split, like from you know the tip of his lip right up through the middle of his nostrils up into his nose, right? And he's laying there and he says, "How about is it?" <laughs> and he can't even talk. He's like, "How about it?" <laughs> and I just looking at him and I started laughing and I said, "Let me put it to you this way, pal." way more chicks for chaser
4: (laughs) that's our buddy kelly chase one of the all-time great blues and one of the great ambassadors for our region and uh, it was revealed last week by the st louis blues that chaser has started chemo treatments for leukemia and so the timing is right for the blues to host hockey fights cancer night tomorrow night at Enterprise Center. And joining us now on the celebrity line is the president of the St. Louis Blues, Chris Zimmerman. And he has obviously a vested interest in uh, what's going on tomorrow and throughout the year with the Blues as well. Chris, thanks so much for the time this morning. How are you doing?
7: Yeah, hey, I'm doing good, Randy. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, Hockey Fights Cancer is, this is actually the 25th year that the NHL has been involved in this. And, uh, you know, I think every, I'm pretty sure that most every listener has uh, has been touched by this, either with a family member or someone with friends, someone close to them. Um, so this is a really, really, really important uh, efforts that we have going
4: and it's always been an important effort for the blues and uh, even Redoubling your efforts now with the two hundred thousand dollar cancer research grant for the Seidman Cancer Center
7: Yes, yeah, so we we um, have a new uh, Partner that we're working with the v foundation um, Has come on as a partner for both the NHL and uh, we have one of the initial programs that'll be launched tomorrow With the objective of creating uh, at least a $200,000 grant from the V Foundation that will go towards, you know, ongoing research. Uh, As you know, there's so many different types of cancer, um, so many different things to to fight. And um, if you will, you just, (laughs) we can't put too much money behind finding cures and it's really cures across the board for so many different types of cancer that that people battle and suffer from.
4: And uh, Chris tomorrow night you will be uh, in in a video during the pregame and you mm-hmm. mentioned that every family has been touched by cancer and your family during the course of the last several years uh ha- has tragically been uh, dealing with it as well. First of all, uh how's your family doing?
7: Well, um Thanks, Randy. Uh, um, Just for those who wouldn't know, my my wife, Emily, um, was diagnosed just over a little a year ago with stage four pancreatic cancer. And after a courageous um, and uh, valiant battle, um, you know, cancer won. Um, My family, yeah, my family's doing okay. Um, It's you suddenly your life is, I guess, in some ways, never the same. Um, you know, I was blessed to have uh, really a, a magical 36-year marriage. And um, for those who knew her, Emily's spirit, um, her care and her heart were quite exceptional. And, um, you know, that's the legacy um, of loss that that will forward and I certainly know that uh, you know Emily who got was very involved in the St. Louis community on a number of different levels she um, this would be really important to her that we were doing this work Um, we have so many close friends um, who have been afflicted again with all different types of cancer and um, so yes, now I guess my fight and my involvement um, is just that much more personal and um, wanting to make a difference in the lives of the people who um, have, are either in a battle, in remission um, or may come up against this in the future.
1: I'm so sorry for your loss, Chris. I can only imagine what it's like to go through that. And it's always hard, and as you mentioned, it feels like cancer touches so many people's lives. And it was just, it just announced that Blues alumni Kelly Chase was recently diagnosed with leukemia. What have you heard about how he's dealing with this battle? And obviously, this would be a big night celebrating him, too, and helping him.
7: Well, yeah, I mean, first of all, Kelly Chase talking talk about people who um, have committed A lot to um, our community, both as a player, as a broadcaster, um, (laughs) as a parent. Um, I bet Kelly has done as many public events, working to support more different efforts than I I think anyone in this in this community. And so, um, you know, I think uh, Kelly. I know he's just started some treatments um, that, you know, are going to be ongoing for a bit. Um, you know, the thing I think about Kelly is that um, literally, obviously as a player, he was a fighter. Um, he's been a fighter, I think, his whole life. And um, I think that the spirit and the courage um, that Kelly brings to this really tough fight um uh, cancer's going to have its hands full.
4: Zim, it's interesting because I, I think like a, a million other people, I sent a text to Chase saying, hey, I'm, I'm rooting for you and I know you're going to beat this. And the response is, don't worry, buddy, I got this. Just another fight and it's the only thing I'm good at. <laughs> so, quintessential <laughs> Kelly Chase, right? <laughs> uh,
7: there's no question. There's no question. And um, But, yeah, I think, you know, among the – Um, I I know our 50-50 that we've got going that actually started over the weekend, I believe, you know, that in part um, was inspired by wanting um, to support, um, you know, Kelly specifically and just all the efforts. And, you know, so there are a number of different ways that people will be able to be involved. And, um, you know, I certainly among the motivations uh, I hope people will feel um, is the power and the heart of Kelly Chase um, and, and, and what that that means uh, as you think about donating or participating in our fundraising efforts.
1: And also you guys are going to have your annual call for the Blues fans to turn on their cell phone lights during the game to spread Ari's light. How much has Ari's story just really inspired you guys in the hockey world?
7: Well, you know, obviously, um, I mean, I don't know. I'm sure for everyone, <laughs> cancer is, is challenging. Watching young children, which, as we know, is a pretty broadly and not uncommon situation. But watching the fight of young children uh, is, is always um, touching um, motivating, inspiring, um, you know, Ari Dugan was her spirit attitude um, as, as she worked to fight cancer. I, I just thought it was exceptional. And, and so our ability to continue um, to honor her life and that she is um, years later still a very meaningful part of the blues story, um, I think it is, is really powerful. You know, as I said earlier, there's just um, there's so much battle, so much suffering, if you will, from this challenging disease, and so many people that I are part of. Quite honestly, are close friends and family, the blues family, and, and you know, just it's what. This is the type of effort that I think is where St. Louis can, can and often shines in showing its heart. And um, so I'm, it's a big week, um, a big week to both honor those who have lost um, the fight and very much about fighting for those um, who are in it and will continue to be going forward.
4: And again, in collaboration with the V Foundation, the Blues are going to uh, fund $200,000 in cancer research for Siteman Cancer Center. You can get involved with the Blues Fifty Fifty raffle at blues5050.com. Blues5050.com. Purchase a 50-50 ticket with a guaranteed pot of $39,000 in honor of Kelly Chase. And uh, you can go watch the Blues and the Red Wings on Hockey Fights Cancer Night tomorrow. Uh, Chris, the Blues are such a key element of our community, doing great things on a regular basis. Blues for Kids, uh, collaborating with the V Foundation, bringing us a lot of entertainment with the hockey team. Thank you so much for what you and your organization do for our community, and we hope tomorrow is a big success. And the biggest thing we hope is that someday soon we'll be able to find a cure for this horrible, insidious disease.
7: Yeah, thanks, Randy. we, We so appreciate your help, obviously. In um, everything we're doing, and, and and certainly in our hockey fights cancer effort. Um, thanks, and we'll, we'll see we'll see everyone out there tonight, tomorrow night.
4: You bet. Thanks, Chris. That is uh, Chris Zimmerman, the president of the St. Louis Blues, and as he mentioned, his family uh, devastated with the mm-hmm. loss of Emily last spring and. Uh, You know, I I got lucky. My grandparents, uh, they they didn't, I didn't have cancer in my family until my son was diagnosed a couple of summers ago. Really? Yeah. I I was one of the the lucky few, but ultimately it it hits everybody. It hits every single family. And at some point we have to find a way to Mm -hmm. cure it. And hopefully it'll happen during my lifetime. I don't know. But the Blues certainly doing everything they can. And we, as sports fans, hope that uh, we do everything that we can, whether it's something as simple as buying a 50-50 ticket or getting to the game tomorrow uh, and being a part of Hockey Fights Cancer. and. Everybody fights cancer. Baseball, football, everybody does a really good job in the sports world of trying to end this disease.
1: It really is one of the best nights that the Blues has where it just brings so much awareness and everything that they do. Hockey does such a good job of that. and The Blues do such a good job. I mean, Randy, you've seen it. One was, we just talked to Chris Zimmerman, all their community efforts, but the players, they'll even, I've seen where the players will have some kids with dealing with cancer, this hard time that will come to the game and Mm -hmm. they will, no matter the result of the game, they will go and talk to those. Kids, it's very special what they do for the community and helping these people through a very hard and trying time.
4: And you're so right about Ari Dugan being so inspiring in her relationship with Vladdy, yes. and uh, everything that that went on through her trials and, and tribulations. And we, the the best thing that we that somebody can do at any age is to be inspiring years later and to be remembered. And Ari Dugan and our thoughts and prayers go to her family. Uh, Ari Dugan certainly was inspiring. Yes. No doubt about it. That's Brooke. I'm Randy. Coming up, Shohei Otani is the $700 million man. We're going to talk to our friend Bob Nightingale about that and how we reported the story. That's next on 101 ESPN.
3: You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN.
2: Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
4: Gary Davis is out today. Brooke Grimsley, Randy Carriker with you on the opening drive on 101 ESPN in St. Louis. And it's always good to talk to our friend Bob Nightingale of USA Today. He is tied in to Major League Baseball and uh, joins us now to talk about Shohei Ohtani signing and what happened leading up to the signing. Bob, good morning. How are you doing?
10: Yeah, doing great. Thanks, Randy. Thanks, Rick.
4: Yeah, always good to hear your voice. Well, you have a great piece up at uh at USA today about the way the media reported the Shohei Ohtani negotiations. Uh, can you give us a capsule of uh, what made you write this piece? What what bothered you about the way it was reported?
10: Well, I th- I think it was a situation I think we were we were embarrassing ourselves, you know, we we baseball writers and uh I, I think we just Kind of get out of control here in this spot, it to a head. It's just that we're in a hurry to be first, you know, we we were wrong. You know, I mean, you know, going back to Friday morning, you know, I wake up and hear that the uh, decision is imminent, you know, check with the uh, Otani's people, say, no, that's not true. I'm going to make a decision today. And then there's a, he's uh, supposed to be on a flight at nine o'clock in the morning from, uh, Santa Ana airport, you know, no, Tommy's still in, in his pajamas in Orange County. And I I thought that a, uh, you know, I thought Phil finally had to realize, I, you know, I ignored it and it was wrong. And then uh, sometime in the early afternoon, a guy from Dodgers Nation says he picked the Blue Jays, uh, checked back in, you know, absolutely not true. He has not picked a team yet. And then, you know, people reporting frantically, like, you know, talking about on the uh, – TV and radio, real live reports like, okay, the plane's about to land and everything else. And I didn't ble- I didn't think that people still believed he was on the plane. And so finally, he just said, no, he never, he's not in the plane, he's not in Toronto, he never left his house in Southern California. Uh, you know, they had, a, he still had a meeting that late, late that afternoon in LA. So yeah, it was just a, uh, and they just made us look bad as, as baseball writers.
4: And by the way, the person on the plane wound up being from Shark Tank, right?
10: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's just yeah. I mean, just people just you know reaching for their conclusions like, oh, uh, it's got to be Otani. We've seen pictures of this plane before. Uh, but yeah. So just you know, jumping way ahead and just going out of control.
1: I totally get it because I feel like and I've talked about this before here on radio, I used to do TV reporting and sports anchoring and was nowhere near the caliber of journalists, but I took my journalism ethics courses pretty seriously. And does it feel like now that there's so many journalists or writers or even personalities out there that care more about being first rather than being accurate to the story? Is that where some of your frustration lies?
10: Yeah, and I think a lot of times, you know, people uh, just taking whatever the agent says and taking, uh, you know, word for it, you know, a lot of leaks. I think the Cardinals do a great job as far as keeping them private. Uh, I think the General's Post-Dispatch does a great job as far as not rushing to conclusions and, and being cautious in their in their approach. But I think just, you know, you got out of control, particularly the social media. You know, it was different back in the day when, you know, before Internet and everything else where. You know, you better be right because I mean, that paper is going to sit there all day long.
9: Mm-hmm.
10: Uh, now, someone throws something out there, you can know, get confirmed in 10 seconds or get uh, denied in 10 seconds. But it's almost like people forget that you put stuff on social media. You know, it is like putting stuff in the newspaper.
1: Well, of course, we have to ask you about this big giant contract with Shohei Otani and the Dodgers. Ten years, $700 million. What would make this contract worth it for the Dodgers?
10: Just as long as he stays healthy, you know. The thing is with him, I remember talking to Dodger officials. Just going back to May of a year ago, you know, 2022, uh, and they said pretty much they they want him for the brand, you know, just what he means, uh, you know, to the uh, to the organization, the franchise. You know, everybody in Japan now is be wearing Dodger caps. Uh, he made the Angels about 25 million dollars a year, so he's probably going to make the Dodgers, you know, maybe you know maybe double that. So it's just what he means. You know, now you can have every game on uh, on TV in Japan. You know, that electronic advertising behind old plate is going to be, you know, constantly changing with Japanese advertising. But it just means so much. So even though, you know, 700, uh, you know, massive figure, obviously, it's probably worth, you know, less than $600 because Just so much is deferred. I think more than half is deferred with, without interest. Uh, so uh, but even so, it's just... You're not really paying that kind of money because of what he brings to the gate.
4: USA Today's Bob Nightingale with us on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. And, Bob, as we speak, the Dodgers' starting rotation is Walker Bueller, Bobby Miller, Ryan Pepio, Ryan Yarbrough, and Emmett Sheehan. Some prospects, guys that have a chance to be really good pitchers, but not what you'd expect from a championship team right now. What do you think they'll do about reinforcing that rotation?
10: No, they're they definitely going to make moves. I mean, it's like, uh, you know, Jeff like we were saying all winter, you know, we got to get three pitchers. I think the Dodgers will tell you, we got to get two pitchers. Uh, you know, obviously, well, Otani's not going to pitch this year. Who knows, you know, when he's going to pitch again. But, you know, they're going to be all in on Yamamoto, who's going to get over $300 million. I think it's, you know, I think he's probably going to stay in the, I mean, go to the Yankees or Mets. I won't discount the Dodgers. This guy's the opposite of Otani. He loves the limelight, the bash, and everything else. Uh, otherwise, you know, you got guys like Blake Snell who are available. And of course, you know, uh, pitchers like Dylan and Cease, who the Cardinals have interest in as well, uh, uh, available in Dredge.
1: Well, that's what I wanted to ask you about with the Cardinals' starting rotation. Just from what you're hearing and seeing, do you think the Cardinals will still go out and get another starting pitcher?
10: I think they'll you know, they'll look and they're not gonna uh do anything crazy and you know, give up you know people that don't want, but I think they'll be on the prowl for sure. There's still so many you know pitchers out there, and uh, if nothing else you have debt, uh, you, know, you know right now they have you know five solid starters, but you know during the course of the season, you're gonna go through eight or nine. some I'm, I'm sure they' still have to get another another starter somewhere.
4: Hey Bob, before we let you go, uh, much made of y- Yadier Molina being hired as a special assistant to the president of baseball operations. How much impact do you think Yadier Molina can have on this organization with the limited role that he'll serve in?
10: I think just you know as much as he wants. You know, how much is he going to be around? Uh, you know, he should be a uh, you know if he wants to be a manager and he, and he does, he should be around as much as possible. You know, getting to know just you know not the. Uh, not the major league players, but the minor league players. How the whole system works, and you know, putting himself, you know, right in the middle of things. Because nowadays, managers are getting hired without much or, or any minor league experience. So people, you know, hey, there's Cardinals coaches everywhere throughout the major leagues now, with with, with Cardinals ties. Uh, I mean, John Jay's name was was everywhere, and he just retired. So I think just with the uh, the name the Cardinals behind you, when this season ends. I would think Gianni Molina would be up, you know, for a number
4: of major openings. And how do you feel about the Cardinals with the moves that they've made so far?
10: I mean, right there. I mean, uh, you know, someone says who's the favorite of nationally central. It's really, there really is no favorite. Uh, it, it is wide open. I mean, the Cardinals have every bit of a chance as the, as the Brewers do, or where the Cubs do. Uh, the Reds are a team to watch out for. So it should be a fun year. I mean, it's a fun division because no one's spending you know crazy money and, Outdistance uh, themselves from everybody else, so I think the Cardinals have you know every bit of a chance at, at, as any team in there.
4: Bob Nightingale, always good to hear your voice. If we don't speak before the holidays, have a happy holiday season, and I'm sure as this off season continues to unfold, we'll speak again. All right. Look forward to it. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Bob Nightingale, USA Today, with us on 101 ESPN. It is weird that the the Dodger writer, the Dodger Nation writer m- definitively reported that Otani was going to go to the Blue Jays, and so much speculation. We were watching MLB Network in here on Friday morning, and mm-hmm. uh, John Morosi was talking about how a decision was imminent. Well, it came more than 24 hours later, and he said the Blue Jays have made a lot of uh, strides here in terms of getting Shohei Ohtani, and it doesn't appear, based upon what we saw Shohei Ohtani's actions were, staying at home, didn't appear that he was really all in on going to Toronto.
1: No, not at all. And maybe the Blue Jays were at least in somewhat Mm -hmm. of the conversation. And I thought it was interesting what Bob Nightingale said about that when he contacted the agents, they were like, "No." So then maybe that's what was missing there was that due diligence of checking in with the agents mm-hmm. to at least see is this report true before I go run with it. I was very surprised that that even happened. I was wondering if there was you know some false information put out there by camps, and maybe we'll never fully truly know the story. But sometimes in Randy, you've seen this on social media. There might be one reporter who puts it out there, and then other reporters don't want to be behind yeah. or have their you know manager, or whoever's in charge, them be like, "Hey, hey, hey, why aren't you?" Confirming this, and so they'll just be like, "Oh, well, this is a reputable reporter. I'm just going to put what they mm. put out there."
4: Right. It does, and then it, it, it just happen.
1: snowballs all the time. Sadly, yeah. and it's not right whatsoever. I can understand people's frustration with journalists with that yeah. because that's not the right due diligence.
4: My goal is to never be first.
1: No, I I hate Randy. Hate. It And you wouldn't believe how many newsrooms, how many publications mm-hmm. where the people in charge push that because they think that being first, that people keep track of that. No, what people keep track of, in my opinion, mm-hmm. is more of who is the most accurate. They don't pay attention of, oh, well, and maybe you do, of seeing like this person tweeted out first. Who cares? Mm-hmm. I, you're going to remember the person who had it accurate all the time.
4: There was one when the Missouri Board of Trustees, when uh, Jim Sterk brought the name, it was Blake Anderson and two other coaches when they, before they hired Drinkwitz, it was after firing Odom. And I had it rock solid. There was no doubt. I got it from like the the greatest of sources that Sterk had taken this group of names to the of trustees and they were mad. They just said, Hey, let's just pump the brakes on this. Why don't we go out and.
1: I remember this. Yeah. 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 yeah.
4: Why why don't you take a look at some other names? Because the names weren't, it was like a group of 500 coaches. And that's why Sterk went back and what happened happened. But uh, people couldn't wait to deny that that happened, and it. Now, in retrospect, we know exactly what happened, and that's exactly what happened. But. There are times where even when you know you have it right, somebody is out there denying what the the correct story was.
1: Exactly. And things change and that stuff happens. But I just hate that that's become such a focus when it comes to news stories, sports stories Mm -hmm. in general. It's the people who probably have not even gone out in the field and done the reporting, you know, asked the agents, different things like that, who are saying, well, this is what, you know, I think will work best for our business. People are going to keep track of that and push that narrative. I just think that it's led to some bad misreporting across the board in news and sports.
4: That's Brooke, I'm Randy, and you can join in the holiday spirit by helping 101 ESPN support Operation Food Search throughout the month of December. We partnered with STL Shirt Company to offer a special 101 ESPN online merch store this month, offering 101 ESPN t-shirts and hoodies and hats and more. And we brought back some of your favorites like the Dunctionary Shirts and Be Patient and Jamie Rivers and Brad Thompson jerseys. Order any 101 ESPN swag during the month and all proceeds from all sales will go to support Operation Food Search. Visit the 101 ESPN online merch store now at 101 ESPN. Com. Powered by McBride Homes. Hey, you like Journey? You like Cheap Trick? You like Def Leppard? You like Heart? You like the Steve Miller Band? Yeah! Tickets for all of them. <laughs> We're going to give some away. Next on 101 ESPN.
2: You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
3: Let's rock. Let's rock today.
4: Okay, so uh, Brooke is going to this place called Chicken and Pickle and Curbs is going there. You can join 101 ESPN and Curbs Sunday at the new Chicken and Pickle in St. Charles. It's the first pickleball tournament ever at the new Chicken and Pickle location, and it's an ugly sweater tournament, too. Plenty more happening at their new facility that includes 11 pickleball courts, a game yard, a rooftop bar, and much more. Check it all out Sunday with Curbs, who will be at Chicken and Pickle from 11 till 1 in St. Charles. Get more information at 101ESPN.com. We
1: still never get to do our pickleball tournament that I kind of talked about when... When I first I, got here, I need to
4: start working on, that, on my my game.
1: I so I when I saw that Chicken and Pickle opened up, I booked a reservation for this coming weekend. I'm very excited. I haven't played pickleball yet, but I played tennis my entire mm-hmm. life, and maybe this is just me being somebody can text in. Am I being too cocky to think that I'll be at least okay since I played tennis? You're you are.
7: You'll, you'll, be no. fine. you'll be Okay, fine. 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 Yeah, because
1: I feel like even like the pro pickleball players they no, played tennis before the
5: biggest thing you're gonna the biggest thing the two biggest things as a tennis player that you're gonna have to overcome one you're gonna be angry that every serve is underhanded it's gonna be oh you. yeah no i'm and already two, curious about that two the difference is is that <laughs> in pickleball the best players never play backwards you're always right up at the net you're net you never step so b- you you're never just step volleying back the
1: whole time it's it, literally it's saying? just quick
5: volleys every time so like if it's a two if it's a two-person game like the best pickleball players, you always see it when they play the, the professional ones, no one's ever sit back back at the back. It's always all four people are just standing right at the front, just going back and back and back and forth. That's the biggest difference is a
4: tennis player to pickleball.
1: Oh, I love balling all right. and tennis, so okay, I'm, all, I'm all for it. Okay. And then Randy will have to get you out there.
4: I'll get out and play, absolutely. We need to give away some tickets here. So 101 ESPN is your chance to score a pair of tickets to Def Leopard and Journey, but not just Def Leopard and Journey. You've got Def Leppard and Journey in the Steve Miller Band. You've got Def Leppard and Journey in the Steve Miller Band and Heart. You've got uh, just an incredible array of musical talent on hand. July 6th at the Bush Stadium. Tickets for Def Leppard, Journey, Cheap Trick, Heart, Steve Miller Band go on sale this Friday, December 15th. But you can text in now if you answer our trivia question and win free tickets today. And you can also find a bonus chance to register at 101ESPN.com Or on your 101 mobile app Okay, big question today Has to do, it's, it's like the classic The quintessential, the perfect Shohei Otani trivia question uh, Matthew, what do, you, what do you got for us? Bob
5: Nightingale mentioned the kerfuffle That went on across <laughs> Twitter As people were tracking the private plane That would eventually land in Toronto And people thought, oh, he's going to be a Blue Jay It was not Shohei Otani It was somebody from the show Shark Tank And mm-hmm. I really just need, I, I only need first name here which shark was on that plane? Which shark was on that plane? Just the first name, just the first name, because everyone knows them as their. I, I, I like. I know all the sharks, but I only know them as their first name because I watch the show every once in a while because mm-hmm. it's a fun show. But I only know them by the first name, except for Mark Cuban.
1: I love Shark Tank.
5: That's the only ones what I know. What is the, the most last successful name off product top of my head. off of there? Uh, the Scrub Daddy. Oh yeah It's the, it's the, the little um, The little sponge That's got like The smiley face And it mm. like
4: Apparently it'll, It takes anything down One time I went to A grilled cheese restaurant It closed But there was a Shark Tank Grilled cheese restaurant Like in O'Fallon It was really good But oh, that's so uh, random Yeah it was random but It was good uh, and then I've got another Shark Tank thing on uh, my car. I've got these little light-up decals. So I've got a blues and a cardinals, uh, and those were on Shark Tank as well. So oh. I, I have purchased Shark Tank items in the past. Yeah,
5: I was gonna. My true question today was gonna be uh, anyone who the first person who can actually explain to me what "pompatus of love" means, because mm-hmm. I've listened to that Steve Miller. I've <laughs> listened to the Joker by uh-huh. Steve Miller Band a thousand times, and I've never figured out what the heck "pompatus of love" means. So if you can explain that to me, I'm not gonna give you tickets, but I'll give you a nice hearty thank you.
1: Well, hmm. no, they want the tickets for July six. Well, for that they need to tell me Post which. Stadium. They
5: need to tell me which shark was on the plane.
1: And what number is there? A certain number.
5: Well, no, lucky number thirteen.
1: Lucky number thirteen. Okay.
4: Uh, so there's a song by Creedence Clearwater divide, uh, Revival CCR uh, called um, "Bad Moon Rising." Uh huh. And it says, "There's a bad moon on the rise," but it sounds for all the world as if they're saying, "There's a bathroom on the right." <laughs> Thanks 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 for ruining CCR for me.
1: Now we'll, now will hear that okay, all the time. Have you
4: ever had like a song where like the popossus of love where you just could not tell what the lyrics are.
1: Oh, so many. I, I feel like was, there's so many. I thought it
5: was one-winged dove. Just like the one not white-winged dove. I thought one it was one I thought winged it was one-winged dove? dove in in by Steve uh, when Stevie Nicks was singing mm-hmm. that for years. It's white-winged dove.
4: Yeah.
1: I'm trying to think. I know that if I, of course, I'll say if the song <laughs> came up, then I would know it. But I feel like there's a lot where I've thought it was a certain one, and then I would sing it, and people would be like, no, no. that's not it. No. <laughs> that's nope. exactly what I do, too. <laughs> that's that, a, that that all the wrong the time lyric. The
5: little yeah. kid rough so, growing up.
4: Uh, it's my understanding that Tim McKernan is in the building today. Has anybody Woo-hoo! actually seen him? Okay, so no. Ryder, Do we have uh, physical
5: conference? No. Yes? Okay, good. Okay, so
4: he oh, will be filling no. in for us in the 10 o'clock hour. He'll
1: be He'll be filling That's in for us. called
4: yeah. for. Yeah, but true, right?
1: Oh and we have
5: Texas
4: 13, God. by the way. It was Robert
5: Herjavec. Is Robert the, Herjavec is the uh, what shark. What
1: was he known for? Was, well, wasn't he
5: attacked by Russia? uh <laughs> No. No, okay. no, not at all. Uh, I'm not okay. sure. I'm, I mean, it's I think of all those guys. I mean, Bo-
4: Bosnia Herjavec?
5: <laughs> I, I cannot. He, I think he's actually Croatian. Oh, um, <laughs>
8: just
5: saying. Okay. But that's, the, that's the answer to our trivia question we'll have. Robert, um, Robert. Stay tuned. Every day this week,
4: 945, we'll be giving away these tickets. Uh, okay, before we go, a uh, real name of Mr. Wonderful. Anybody know? So you got Laurie Grenier, Robert oh. Herscovina.
5: Oh, no, I have no uh, idea. You got
4: Mark Cuban, and then Mr. but nobody knows Mr. Wonderful's name.
5: Barbara Corcoran, and what is Mr. Mister What Babs? is his name? What
4: is Nobody
5: knows. I don't know Mr. Wonderful's first name. Oh, my God.
4: Uh, Paul Kevin? Paul Orndorff.
5: Paul Orndorff's yeah, no, name? Yeah, no, there is no way. Wait, that's not. There that's was, a wrestler. Wait, isn't Paul Orndorff a
4: wrestler? <laughs> From Mr. Wonderful, Paul Orndorff. Oh, okay. Wait.
1: <laughs> Mr. Wonderful. Yeah. Is that Kevin O'Leary? It's there Kevin O'Leary.
5: Kevin O'Leary. Yeah. Kevin O'Leary. Yeah. Kevin O'Leary. That's yeah. the most boring so, name in the world. So They're now you know. It.
4: Via radio, a great job today by our producer, audio video engineer Matthew Rocchio. Thank you, pleasure. Somebody, by the way, actually complained about my uh, my camera not being on. Thank you very much for whoever it was that complained <laughs> about my camera. It's never happened before that uh, somebody complained that they wanted to see my face. <laughs> they so could,
1: that they couldn't see you your face. face. Yeah. yeah, So
4: Thank you very much, whoever you were. I appreciate it greatly. Uh, Carrie will be back tomorrow. Brooke, did you have fun?
1: Yes. Good.
4: I'm glad. And we hope you had fun as well. For all of us, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. Balloon Party Next until tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great Monday, St. Louis. That's right.
3: You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com.
2: Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.